And we're back with our first ever gamer edition of Marvel vs. Marvel as we take a very special look at the Insomniac Spider-Man, Marvel's Spider-Man, PlayStation, Spider-Man, whatever you want to call it, in time for the massive sequel that is coming out right now as we speak. Um, this has been on the cards for a long, long time. Loads of people have requested that we do this game, that we do games in general, but specifically this one because people paid attention to... Mm. This amazing story it's got, and and wanted to know how close it is to the video games, and to, they want to talk about the, to the comic book story. They want to know about the costumes, the suits. They want to talk about the collectibles and the the Easter egg references, and they want us to pull apart the story. We're going to do all of that for you. Um, we've already in part one set the table and dived into the production history. Looked exactly how video games kind of come about. The budgets, <laughs> yeah. the copies they sell, what that translates to in sales, how long it takes to make this game, which I couldn't believe. The involvement from Marvel comic book writers in the in the in the creation of this game. The the voice acting involved and the incredible work that goes on on that front and Will has guided us through ably in a way that I can't and and I'm, I'm asking I'm asking a lot of the uh, a lot of the ignorant questions in this episode. Which is say fun. the power's lovely. <laughs> We're going to give our big shout out to Peter J, Brandon Schmigilski, Basta Beer, Sam, Bindi, Supi, Jack Davis, Billy Brown, Zubair Q, David Fan, our top supporters on patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. They get all the bonus content that exists and they support this show like no other. We thank you. You're the reason these episodes are so possible. We normally hit play, but we've got just a bunch to get through before we even hit play, Will. Um, I know this it, skins is a new term. I know it's more largely associated with, like, uh, I guess, Fortnite and stuff like that. Mm. It's quite a new term to me. Um, costumes, alternate costumes in video games has been a big deal for me in my playing history for a while, especially the... Um, the wrestling games yes. you always have alternate costumes mm. so you'll be able to get a wrestler in different stages like you'll be able to get not just 80s hulk hogan <laughs> you'll also be able to get hollywood hulk hogan from the nwo if you hit a different button you get a different mm. costume um and there were some video games like the uh, marvel ultimate alliance game which i really enjoyed which had you alternate versions of costumes. So um, Iron Man would be able to have the classic costume. You could also switch him into the War Machine kind of costume and and um, some other things like that. Um, Spider-Man was able to alternate to a black costume. This game's packed yeah. with Spidey skins, and I know a lot of people want us to go through that. We've identified the ones that have nothing to do with comic books. So some are just made specifically for the game. Um, we're we're not going to sit around and go with a lovely <laughs> costume. Um, the ones that I've got, uh, I've identified as, as having connections to the comics. I've put aside, um, and uh, I know Will wants to know them about them. So, Will, you've got the list. Um, do you want to kind of like, uh, yeah, tell us what the what the costume is and and like uh, describe it and, and 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 like what it does or whatever, and we'll get into the comic book side of it. Sure. First of all, we got noir suit. Now, this appears to be an all-black suit, uh, but it looks quite old-fashioned, some of it. Like, there's some... Uh, Buttons and stuff, like a double-breasted kind of deal. Double-breasted waistcoat, some pinstripe trousers and sleeves, uh, leather gloves, big leather boots, 
and like old driving goggles from the early 1900s by the look of it you know those are, <laughs> yeah. yeah you got those kind of old things um now the suit power is enemies don't call back up when alerted uh unlock condition complete so now I, sh- I won't talk about the unlock conditions who needs to know yeah. that no nobody nobody i'll just take the um, suit power yeah yeah so uh noir is a I can't quite under- get to the bottom of why Marvel publishes, other than it sounds like a good idea. But yes, in 2009, they published a short series called Spider-Man Noir. Um, and it was a like a film noir, crime noir take on, mm. on Spider-Man. Um, and it's set during the New York in the Great Depression. Oh, um, excellent. Peter Parker's investigating a smuggling ring. He gets bitten by a highly venomous spider. That was inside a, the idol of a spider god that had been smuggled into the country. So it's mystic based. Although, strictly speaking, from a certain point onwards, all of Spider Man is mystic based. And we just have to kind of deal with that. Mm. Um, and he has a vision of a spider god promising him power, wakes up inside a cocoon, and now he's got spider powers. And he's like in the mold, really, of the shadow. Mm, and there was a, yeah. another pulp. Um, hero at the time in the 30s 40s called the spider mm-hmm. um so he's in that kind of fearsome shoot guns down bad guys who were gangsters smugglers and nazis he chases nazis as well and so he's, it's a, a, he's nazi. a it's a nazi man sure that, sorry, that that's voice. a mighty, mighty boosh reference sorry right okie dokie um and he just becomes yeah he's a feared vigilante the 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 spider man was yeah. this the same uh one that Nicolas Cage played in Spider-Verse. Correct, yeah, yeah. He, he was um, that one, but he, he has a, a lot of overcoat with, with that one. Yeah, um, I think there's... Yeah, he'd, it'd be probably difficult to whack a big overcoat on this character in the game. <laughs> You'd have to animate because, the, the overcoat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Whereas this is just doing the... Yeah. So, yeah, so he came about before Spider-Verse, but then he didn't really feature in the comic book Spider-Verse much. He's kind of a background player, but for, for, obviously was a, a suitably interesting character for the... For the movie. Yeah. Next up, we have Scarlet Spider, which uh, is very familiar. Uh, basically, it's red, all red spider suit, but with a uh, sleeveless blue spider hoodie. Uh, he also uh, has uh, some gauntlets, which I assume the web shooters. And uh, looking at his ankle, he's currently under home arrest. Looks like... Oh, he has he got a bracelet thing on the... on the? Yeah, it looks like an ankle tag. It's interesting. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know where they come from. Yeah, we've we've touched on Scarlet Spider. Um, yeah, we touched on the Scarlet Spider, um, and when we looked at the original Spider Verse crossover, yeah. the Spider Wars in the cartoon series. Mm. So this is the costume used by the clone of Peter Parker when he returned uh, to the comics in 1994 during the Clone Saga. Um, uh, ben Riley <clears throat> was his name, and he came back, and he was just a guy like Peter Parker to begin with, and then he had to fight some crime. He grabbed some stuff and hastily assembled uh, this costume, which features the blue hoodie. Mm. And the web shooters are, yeah, worn on the outside. Um, they look like gauntlets. I loved this costume in the 90s um it's very it was very divisive very divisive a lot of older readers in the 90s hated it and thought it looked dumb 
And I was at an age where I thought some of the 90s extreme stuff was cool. This was one of it. I thought this was bad ass and just fun and <laughs> awesome and still recognisably Spider-Man, but different and updated mm. and really distinctive. And I really wanted to have Scarlet Spider and Spider-Man at the same time as it was cool. Yeah, so that's... Um, yeah. Before I continue to the next one, I forgot to say the suit power, which is hollow decoy, spawns multiple hollow decoys that stun enemies. <laughs> Very handy. Uh, next one. Spider-Armor Mark II. Uh, wow. So, suit power is bulletproof. It makes you temporarily completely uh, resistant to bullets. <coughs> oh, sorry. Bless me. Anyway. what? How do I describe this? Uh, basically, he looks like if Dark, Daft Punk's helmet were an entire suit. <laughs> if Daft Punk's helmet was an entire suit? Okay. Yeah. yeah, it looks like he's got Daft Punk helmet, and they went, ah, why stop the helmet? Let's do the arms and legs and torso as well. Big metal armor is what he's got. Big metal armor, big shiny face uh, with yellow piping down the sides as well, and uh, some so this this kind of like spidery patterns almost with the yeah. with the lines. Yeah. So in 2011, um, so much of this game takes from Dan Slott's um, run on on mm. on, uh, on Spider Man. Um, in 2011, Spider-Man lost his spider sense completely. He lost his mojo. Um, it meant he couldn't dodge bullets anymore, and he kept getting shot. <laughs> um, so he, he the way uh, you said that may really tickled me. <laughs> so he built a uh, an armored bulletproof costume, hmm. um, which is is this an update of? I don't know why we get to the Mark II before the Mark One, but that's how it's happening. Um, and we get the yeah the the the, the second batch of Spider Man armor. Um, yeah, and he makes himself bulletproof. It doesn't last very long. Nice. So very practical. Next up is Secret War Suit. Uh, the power is Arms Race. Amplified EMP buildup that stuns enemies and disables weapons. Right. Uh, how do I start with this? It's uh, very gritty. Very gritty. It's black, but with the uh, red grid lines and some blue blue stuff in there as well. Looks very shiny for some reason. This is from uh, 2004. Uh, mm. Nick Fury wages a secret war on a foreign nation. Hooray! Um, Doctor Doom's country of Latveria. Mm. Uh, in order to do that, he recruits Captain America, Daredevil, Black Widow, Luke Cage, Wolverine, and Spider-Man. Um, uh, but he says, you can't wear your regular costumes. You need dark, <laughs> undercover ones so we can pretend it's not really you. You can't do it- Black, o- Black Ops mission if you're wearing red lycra, damn it. Yeah, pretty much. So, yeah, Spidey gets this this suit for that, that mission. Very nice, very nice. Next up, electrically electrically insulated suit. Uh, suit power is electric punch. Kit bashing, uh, kit bashed high discharge capacitors electrify gauntlets and enemies. In in the context of the game, it makes sense. I'll okay. just, I'll just uh, say that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, what, one story from 1997. Do I get to describe? Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. Not. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm you rushing are through. awful. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, no, I give up. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of like a dark grey, but it looks kind of a bit armoured, uh, and there's like uh, big uh, like shell-like uh, gauntlets, red gauntlets, like armoured armored stuff. It's mostly black. Looks kind of cool. Something A little, little bit of red in there? A little bit of red. The gauntlets are red. There's some red uh, thigh pads, red mm. piping on the big shin pad he's got going on. It looks very futuristic ninja. Future ninja. Future um, ninja. 
there's a story from 1997 where he has to fight Electro and he keeps getting electrocuted, so he makes this. Um, it absorbs all electricity, but it's very heavy and difficult to move around in. Mm. All of these costumes are very rare. Like, they're worn once, <laughs> maybe twice. Yeah. Um, but and then and then kind of ditched, and this is this is one of them. Yeah, it's like one of those bits in in like a Call of Duty game where it's like, hey, you get to use a drone strike. Cool. Yeah, you can only do it with this one bit. Uh. <laughs> not, not doing it for the rest of the game. So next up uh, is a familiar one: Spider Punk, suit power, rock out, blast enemies with sound. Now let's have a look at this one. We've got. Uh, now, the, the torso, you got the Spider-Man suit, you got the Spider-Man mask, uh, you got uh, heavy metal uh, gauntlets, you know, black leather with with shiny spikes. He's got like uh, mohawk spikes keep uh, peeking out of the top. He's got a sleeveless uh, denim jacket with some buttons on, and it looks like the suit is either uh, just just blue at the bottom, or he's wearing skin tight jeans, and he's got some red converses, good old red converses. It looks really cool. This, this suit. Uh, yeah, it's uh, Spider Punk, who's invented in 2016, uh, 15 as part of the Spider Verse event. Mm. Um, so this is not a different costume that Spider Man has worn. This is a different version of Spider Man. Ah, um, yes. Um, yeah, it, it, yeah. In my mind, I don't know why, but I would view this as a skin, a different skin, mm. and the others as alternate costumes. Yeah. I don't know what that means. I don't think that's really a real thing. It's just my brain. I mean, um, in terms of narrative, in terms of character, yeah, it would be a different skin, but it's like, or whatever, but it's just like, eh, it's a costume or whatever. They're all the same thing. It's still yeah. Peter Parker under there. Next up. Well, no, it's not. It's not uh, Peter Parker. I know. It's, uh, what It'd be Hobby Brown. Hobby Brown. Oh, I loved him. I loved him in uh, that Spider-Verse film. Yeah. He was so cool, especially when he does the Cockney rhyming slang and they have to have a translation at the bottom. <laughs> I loved it. Uh, wrestler suit. K- uh, suit power. King of the ring. Web throw enemies without needing to web them first. Uh, wow. How do I describe this? Uh, he's got no gloves on. You can see his hands. Uh, he, it looks like he's got a big red jumper on with uh, or a long sleeve t-shirt with Spider-Man logo on. The mask almost looks like a, uh, a luchador mask. Would that be correct? Yeah. Mexican yeah. wrestler, luchador, but a Spider-Man luchador. version. He's got probably, no, I think he is actually wearing uh, tracksuit bottoms, dark blue tracksuit bottoms with some uh, look like boxing or wrestling shoes slash boots, you know, those kind of uh, hmm. shiny boots. Uh, what can you tell us about this one? I mean, this is when um, when Peter Parker first uses his powers before he's even developed a costume. He wants to win money. And he goes mm. to a wrestling event, and this is kind of what he looks like. Yeah, it's not much, not much to it really. He just hasn't developed the spider suit yet, or, or sewed together, and that's that's it really. Yeah, <laughs> bolt saws ready. <laughs> Sorry, you knew that was good. You're going nowhere. Anyway. Uh, fear itself suit uh, suit power is quad damage assistive nano musculature deals huge damage for short periods of time badass uh, wow this suit looks like he's from Tron uh, the, it, <laughs> it does yeah it does very it's, it's sci-fi yeah very, it's black but with the uh, neon blue gridding uh, some, some of it's uh, some of the legs uh, got this kind of futuristic, scaly-looking black armor, and he's got these really chunky space-age gauntlets. One's got a spike on it. This is going to start off sounding really good and then peter out at the end. Okay, I'm ready. <laughs> this costume is made from 
Uru metal, the Ooh. same metal as Thor's hammer. Oh, hello. So in 2011, there was a big crossover event called Fear Itself, mm. where Marvel went to war with like some of the dark gods of Asgard who were being led by the god of fear, mm. um, the serpent. Um, Tony Stark forges new weapons and, and armors and stuff for various Marvel heroes. He, he goes to the... Um, the uh, what would you call it? The not the kiln, the forges of Niflheim, mm. uh, where they where the dwarves are, and he he forges with hammer and tongs these weapons from Uru metal, um, and the Uru all the Uru weapons and costumes are blessed by Odin to make it stronger, and we get like we get a, a few shots of Spider Man wearing this costume. And that's it. One issue only. One appearance only. We get no explanation of what it can do. No idea. I mean, it sounds awesome, right? And he uses it once and that's it. I can assume it makes him stronger or something, but no idea. It's not explained. It's, uh, well, it's assumed that because it looks badass and he's got little chunky bits. Next up, we have the stealth, uh, brackets, big time suit. Uh, anyway, suit power is blur projector, create a distortion field that can obscure your presence. Now, <laughs> how do I describe this one? Uh, this one looks like if uh, the spider suit was, and gamers are only going to get this, if the, if he was designed uh, by either Razer or Alienware. <laughs> it looks like a gaming PC. Uh, oh, right. I kind of get that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, got, it's, it's all black. Looks really like uh, it looks like Sam Fisher from Splinter Cell, and he's got like neon green piping and these big green eyes, uh, and the gloves look high tech like Sam Fisher's as well. Uh, for those who do not know, Sam Fisher is from the Tom Clancy game Splinter Cell. He's basically a high tech ninja. Uh, wow, I, I th- this one's quite striking. I love this design. Can you tell us more about it? Yeah, 2010, uh, Dan Slot. Like when Dan Slott first came aboard on Spider Man, it was an initiative called Brand New Day, mm. where there was a there was him and some other writers kind of giving a soft reboot to mm. Spider Man. And then when Dan Slott took over completely, it was under an initiative called Big Time. Big Time. And as part of Big Time in 2010. Spider-Man built the stealth suit. It's sometimes called the big time suit, but it's mainly the stealth suit. Mm. Um, so he gets into a fight with the new Hobgoblin, and Spidey gets his ass kicked because the new Hobgoblin has a sonic laugh that is deadly. Oof. Um, so he builds a new costume um, designed to block... So it's made from omni-harmonic mesh. Mm which is a wave-bending technology that I think Hank Pym first developed and Spidey mm. worked on himself. It can bend both light and sound, um, so he can become co- both completely invisible and completely silent. <laughs> um, wow, okay. So the, that, the neon green piping on the spider, on the spider mm. and on the eyes and everything, that is kind of like a... Um, Maybe like a light orange, very because it's very. It's not like a dark green, is it? It's very light green. Mm. Uh, it's it's generally a very light kind of orange color until he goes invisible and then it turns green. Mm. Um, and that's has that is so he can see himself apparently. Otherwise, he is invisible to himself and he can't move around properly. So yeah, it's his it's his super stealth costume and it allows him to block out. Um, the goblin's sonic laugh, but also be silent himself, be completely 
Invisible. Very nice. cool look. I love the look of this costume. Uh, I, in the comics. I love it. This it, 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 is designed for gamers. Very, <laughs> very sleek. Yeah. Next up, with the Mark III Spider Armor, uh, suit power, titan- titanium alloy plates, reflects bullets back to shooters, not sniper rounds, though. Makes sense. They use high velocity armor piercing rounds. Don't know why you needed to know that. Uh, what have we got here? It looks chunky. He's got big shoulder pads. Um, it looks kind of like a knight. A lot of red. A lot of shiny, gleaming grey silver. Uh, it looks like he's got slight flares of the trousers, but they, they're like, you know, the chunky bits of the boots where the ankle meets like a Transformer robot almost. Big, uh, chunky gauntlets that look like they're going to fire lasers. This looks impressive, but I will say it could, it could be chunkier. There's room for chunk. <laughs> there's room for chunking. Let's chunk it up. Let's mm. chunk this up. Chunk um, it up. You know. Sorry. 2012, a dying Doc Ock uh, reassembles the Sinister Six and uses his tech to give them some deadly and powerful upgrades to the point where the Sinister Six beat the Avengers. Ooh, dear. Ock has built a doomsday weapon, is holding the whole world to ransom. Spidey is through screwing around, especially because one of the plans that Dr. Octopus put into motion killed one of Spidey's close friends. Mm. So he builds this high-tech armor, and it is just, it is like he's going to be, he's going to lead the Avengers. That's the whole idea. He knows the Sinister Six better than anybody. They have never fought the Sinister Six before the time they got their ass kicked, so he's going to lead the Avengers into battle. So he kind of goes with this thing of like, I need to be like an Iron Man and a Mm. Captain America all in one. And he loads this armor up with specific weapons, science gadgets that he's designed to beat, to like scientifically beat each each like member of the Sinister Six. So something that will just disrupt the Sandman's control over his molecules. This is Batman. This is Batman. Right. Um, and it also has increased strength and things like that. So, yeah. uh, again, some people will hear this and go, why doesn't he use it all the time? Well, because that's not Spider-Man, and it's just not... He, he doesn't like being aggressive. I was about but to say... But for this one, he's pushed right to the very edge by mm. um, what's going on with Dr. Octopus, and this is his massive kind of uh, answer. It's also... I think the suit is immediately destroyed by Doc Ock at the end of the that, fight. So. It does look like it would get destroyed because it's just chunky and brittle. Uh, but Rob, would you say that would make Spider-Man overpowered? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Love it. Next up, familiar one, Spider-Man 2099 black suit. Suit power, low gravity, decrease gravity while airborne. Now, I regret never using that power. I would have loved to have played around with that. Right, it's... it's what, the spi- what was that power, sorry? Low gravity. It reduces... Decreased gravity while airborne. Oh, I- so he can glide. Oh, that's so cool. Anyway, uh, this looks like if Amalgam Comics decided to combine, or, you know, Spider-Man with Spawn. <laughs> right. Describe it. It's a dark... There's something werewolfy, beastly blue about it. It looks like he has claws... There's the there's a lot of red piping uh, with with some uh, spikes coming out of the forearms and uh, mm. the the logo although the face uh, kind of it looks like Spawn's face it has that same kind of demonic red slash for the around the eyes and the coming big down. eyes yeah yeah it, it's Spawn it's Spider Spawn predates Spawn um, no way yeah oh only just, nice only just, but yeah was it Todd so, McFarlane who did it or not. 
No, no, no. I can't think. Uh, Peter Davis is a writer. I can't think of the name of the artist. Um, so I don't know why it's called the black suit because it's 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 a it's a dark blue, but it's still a blue, blue and red. <laughs> oh come on! There's um, a Father Ted joke coming up with the, the priest socks. They're not. They're they're actually black, not regular black socks, which are actually very, 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 very dark blue. I see. I I see. I love Father Ted, but I don't remember as ever. I don't remember specific script lines from thirty years ago. Um, so it's a so Miguel O'Hara is the Spider Man of the year twenty ninety nine, um, mm. and this is the costume worn by him. Yes, he does have claws on his hands. He Amazing. has talons. That's how he grips the wall. I thought talons... you were correcting me then. <laughs> They're not claws, Rob. They're, they're not claws, Rob. They're talons. They're not nope. ocular blasts. Oh, no, no, no. They're, they're quite pronounced talons. So not only yeah. do they let him uh, dig his hands into the wall so he can climb cool. like spiders do, yeah. but they're more pronounced so he can actually use them as weapons and, and um, slash face and stuff. Uh, and he has the, 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 red, the red symbol on the chest is referred to as the death's head spider because it's a weird spider face thing with claw things it's 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 interesting mm. in the in the in the in the comics it's um it's actually a carnival rave costume no. um, from his younger days yeah when he was um when he was a younger kind of more party animal he went to a mexican day of the dead festival and cool. this was the carnival rave costume that he wore with his friends this bodysuit with a mask and to hide his identity when he gets powers he he digs out the only thing he has that has a mask and it's a bodysuit and and it's it's this yeah i like the convenience of that it's like oh there was that really cool number i was wearing at that party the other day maybe i maybe that should be my thing <laughs> it's like the the terrible punisher movie um <laughs> where his son gives him a skull t-shirt and goes look what i got dad isn't it cool and he goes that is cool son i'll wear it one day and then all the, all his family emerged and he's like i will now wear the skull my son bought me <laughs> i got this Stupid. at a skateboard shop i thought you'd like it <laughs> next up spider armor mark four it's not chunky <laughs> in fact it's less chunky suit power defense shield generates an energy shield that absorbs all damage this one pretty much looks like the normal spider-man suit mm. but it's now metallic and very platy yeah this looks like um someone wanted to make a statue of spider-man out of metal for some reason <laughs> And the chest emblem's a little different. Oh, yeah. Sorry, it's just he's crouching in an angle. I can see it now. I don't like it. Do not like it. It's I love this costume. Spi- it's spindly. Hor- it look- the spider on it looks too accurate. looks too photoreal and horrible. So, 2015, um, Dan Slott is getting towards the end of his run on Spider-Man. And he does this phenomenal thing um, where he really starts to push the character to areas that don't feel comfortable and a lot mm. of readers have this backlash about it but it's just it's a it's really good storytelling so he becomes like essentially the new tony stark Ooh, and he has yes part of, he's the head of a worldwide tech company called parker industries mm. and he has gadgets and he has fast cars and he has jet planes and all this kind of stuff and of course it all collapses and goes terribly wrong because it's spider-man but he during this time <laughs> he uses this this his, his access to technology and his ability to do it mm. he, he creates this new version of, of of the armor all these new resources he's got so it's it's a it's liquid nanotech 
The costume is made of liquid nanotech. Yeah. It can respond to his mental and his vocal commands. Um, it can become any other costume he's ever worn if he wants. If he wants the stealth armor, he can become that. <laughs> if he wants the classic costume, it can look like that. Um, it has like a chameleon um, uh, system. Um, mm. It's packed with gadgets and weapons. He's got sonic disruptors. He's got acid webbing. He's got electroshock webbing. It slightly enhances his strength and speed. And yeah, um, so it's a it's very top of the line. Yeah, compared to the other marks of the uh, the armor, this looks this looks like the finished thing. The others look like prototypes. Next up, and this is this is remarkable, is Spirit Spider. The suit power is Spirit Fire. Channels unstable waves of powerful, damaging energy. Now, how do I describe this? <laughs> it looks like a buff skeleton. Uh, <laughs> basically, he's kind of all white, white at the top, and it sort of goes to sort of corpse blue, gray blue as the, it, towards towards the, the feet as it goes down. But not, that's not the only thing. <laughs> His head's bloody Ghost Rider, but with a blue flame. Blue flame Ghost Rider, yeah. Yeah, that's that's quite a look. That's it's quite a, look. Um, a story from 2011, so this is not Spider-Man. This is not our Spider-Man. Mm. Uh, this is a Spider-Man from a... It's not a costume that he's ever worn. This is a Spider-Man from a different dimension, a different reality. Um, an evil Spider-Man who acted more like a spider. He created a machine that was called the Web... And it was a trans-dimensional machine that sucked in Spider-Men from other realities, trapped them in the web, so that this Spider-Man could drain them of their life force and their energy and make himself stronger and more powerfully fed off them, basically. Like a spider in a web. Hmm. He died and went to hell and then kind of came back as a ghost rider. And that's that's kind of the story. So it's not it's not like a costume. It doesn't happen to six one six Spider Man or Miles or anything. It's a it's another evil evil spider dude. I like to imagine that while he's doing all this evil stuff and like, you know, getting all these hellish powers that he still has trouble paying rent and has to look after on <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like ah, oh, oh, so cool being a demon, but I have to ooh, have to pay rent. Anyway, <laughs> next one is Spider Man twenty ninety nine, the white suit. Now this is Boo. oh, you don't like this, do you? I love the original. The, the, yeah. the twenty ninety nine suit is gorgeous. I love Spider-Man. and it came around. Yep. It came around when I was like ten, and I just thought it was so cool. And there were no figures of it for years and years and years, and it didn't appear in video games for years. So, I, and there were no, it wasn't in cartoons. So I've coveted that, that classic, and they changed it, and I hate it. That's what he does, Clarice. He covets. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you get that reference. I That's... am watching that movie tonight. Yes, you are, boy. Great film. I haven't seen it in ages. I'm going to watch it. If you can do watch Silence of the Lambs as, as long as you're old if you're old enough. enough. If, if you're old enough. Uh, suit power, concussion strike, concussive technology that sends enemies flying after each attack. Okay, so yeah, sometimes with these things you don't like something, and I go, ah, I kind of like it. No, I don't like this. It looks. I don't even want to describe in detail. He just looks like a generic, uh, like high tech soldier from every yeah. video game. He yeah, just, yeah, it's very generic. There's, there's, it's a mix of. Uh, red, uh, black, and white. It's uh, and, and the, the mask looks very robotic, very oppressive. But all the while, dare I say, dull. Yeah, um, they did this when um, 
Miguel gets trapped in the present day, so he's no longer Spider-Man 2099, he's Spider-Man 2015, or whatever. <laughs> oh um, no, I've had to downgrade. And Peter Parker, kind of, when he has Parker Industries, he actually reaches out with those resources to help a lot of his Spider-Hero buddies, mm. um, and one of the things he does is build Mikel a new suit, and it sucks, and they should go back to the original. Yeah, totally agreed. Next one is quite an interesting one, the Last Stand suit, not related to the X-Men film. Unrelenting fury is the suit power. Enemies can't block or stop your attacks. Uh, how do I describe this one? This is what I would call spider casual. <laughs> he's got a normal Spider-Man mask, but he's, I like this. He's wearing like a, a red biker jacket with red gloves, uh, black <clears throat> trousers, or they could be black biker trousers, I'm not sure, with some boots. It looks quite casual. I kind of like this one. It's got, it's got a red, like, over... It's like an, the, that kind of leather jacket, the buttons on the far side. Yeah. Um, that's it's a proper red leather jacket, with a yeah. black spider on. I really want to get a red leather jacket now. <laughs> okay. So this is 2003. Uh, Peter is shown a glimpse of a grim possible future where he's given in to wanting revenge on his worst enemies and started killing them. So this... This version has killed Craven the Hunter and he's killed Dr. Octopus and become a violent vigilante. The story was called Last Stand. And so um, that's the that's what this costume is. Nice, I like it. Next one. Um, and to be honest, this one I did think was just a jokey costume, but apparently you've picked it. Uh, it doesn't have a superpower. It's called Spider UK Suit. Uh, looks most like the Spider-Man suit, apart from it's got a Union Jack. Uh, because uh, on, on uh, sort of emblem within the Spider-Man motif, uh, mm. because as we as you and I both think, Rob, when we look at Spider-Man, we look we both look at that costume design. I go, ah, it just needs more colonialism. <laughs> well, we've dealt with Spider UK um, we? when we looked at um, Spider Verse. Um, oh, so in 2014, mm. uh, this is uh, Billy Braddock. He is both <laughs> the Spider-Man of Earth 833 and mm. also. Captain Britain of Earth 833. Yes. And thus he's a part of the trans-dimensional group, the Captain Britain Corps. Um, and during um, the Spider-Verse event, when the inheritors are coming to eat and kill all the spider people across the multiverse, it is Billy Braddock, Spider UK, who uses the trans-dimensional sort of apparatus of the Captain Britain Corps to assemble the army of Spider-Men to fight the inheritors. Excellent, excellent. Uh... Next up, we have Scarlet Spider 2 suits. Uh, wow. No no, no suit powers with this. I have a feeling the rest of them don't have suit powers with them anymore. Uh, this one... Hmm. It's mostly red, apart yeah. from black bits, including the fingertips, the mask, and the shoulders. But the problem is, I look at the fingertips that are all black, and I keep thinking, oh, no, he's got frostbite. <laughs> <laughs> It looks like he's is he, got frostbite. Is he crouching in the picture? They're all crouching, mate. They're all doing right. the same pose. They're doing that so the, cool crouch. When you, if you can see this Scarlet Spider suit stood up, hmm. the black he's he's red from the feet on up, right to most of the yeah. chest. But then the black comes down, and the black as it comes down is in the shape of like the pincers of a spider's mouth. Oh, so it's ever I so subtle it. when it comes down. Yeah, like that. I, I, well, they, they've got the. Not the icon, but like the photo of the emblem, just to say what's right. And I yeah. can just about see it. I can pretty much picture the rest. It's kind of cool. That is so quite. This, that is a cool little bit of detail. That yeah. is cool. This is the second Scarlet Spider. So, 
Uh, ben Riley, the original Scarlet Spider, dies at the end of the Clone Wars. Kane, who is also a big part of the Clone Saga, is the once twisted and psychopathic clone of Peter Parker. He seeks redemption and kind of comes back as a an anti-hero, a violent anti-hero, but still an anti-hero. Um, and he takes up the mantle of the Scarlet Spider from his fallen brother, Ben Riley. Um, and to do that, after I think it's after the first Spider-Verse event, mm. he steals the stealth suit we've already talked about <laughs> and, and modifies it. So that one that can go completely invisible and can be completely silent, that's what he's wearing. It's a modified version of that stealth suit. They brought that about in about 2011, I think. Amazing, amazing. Right, next one. Uh, going back a bit now. Spider Armor Mark One. <laughs> right. Uh, oof. Oh, God. Yeah, you can see this is definitely a prototype. It's not a prototype. It's it just, looks like a prototype. It's just mm. earlier. It's just earlier in the decades. Yeah. It's all black. He didn't build this and then build another one. It's like he built yeah. this and it did its job. It did. Yeah, fair enough. Well, to be fair, like he built it. It's the only one. It's kind of like a prototype because it's not going to mass production. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> it kind of looks robotic. It's very... It's all black. It's got gauntness. It's got the boots that are quite armoured and thick. But, like, the torso and the head look like they're made of plating. But, like, yeah, the way... Sil- the way the, sil- the poly- there is silver in the costume. It's silver plating. Silver plating, yeah. But it's, like, where the plates connect is, like, where you usually have the web uh, the web pattern on the suits, which is quite cool. But it uh, it looks like you, you order this from the back of a magazine. Like, limited edition Metal Spider-Man statuettes. Only 50 of them pay 200 quid for this. It, it has that look of it. Um, 1993, this is a very famous front cover. We we talked about... Do you remember when we did the Spider Wars? There was the guy in silver and black? Yes, with I the remember. Metal yeah. armor. That's, that's this. This is the, 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 the original Spider Armor. Um, the front cover is highly... Is, is, is I don't know why, but it's highly sought after. Because um, it's a brand new... Because it's a, a radical new redesign of the Spider-Man costume. Because mm. it ditches the color scheme completely. And ditches kind of a lot of the ideas. So yeah, he's there's some new gun-toting criminals in town that have armor-piercing bullets. So he he builds this spider armor. There's not a lot to it. Last one issue, and that's it. Excellent. Next one, <laughs> Iron Spider Armor. <clears throat> what can I say? Uh, I mean, initially it looks like what if Iron Man was Spider Man. Uh, it's red. It's shiny. There's gold bits. Uh, the, the 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 hood looks very. Uh, the mask looks like a hood of the mask. Am I right? No. No. Oh no. It's just it's just the way the picture is. Yeah. It's it's like an Iron Man motif, gold and red, very shiny. Yeah. Yeah. Two thousand and six. Tony Stark builds Iron Man armor for Peter Parker. Yeah. To win him over to his side during the Civil War, the Superhuman Registration Act, mm. and it worked because in that story they wrote Peter without a spine or a brain. Um, <laughs> stupid, he wouldn't do it. There we yeah. go. Um, it's bulletproof. Uh, to, it's slightly bulletproof, and it, it has like on some brief, like you can go underwater for a brief period of time, mm. and it can glide, has gliding capabilities, and it has spider arms that come out the back. 
oh, tentacles. Is this what they use in the, the MCU films? They adapt a lot of it. So there's another spider, another thing in the another skin in the game called mm. the Spider Armor. Ah. But we didn't look at that because that's that's the one from the Infinity War movie. Yeah. Um, and it isn't a comic book version, but they take the arms from that and the fact that Tony Stark built it for him. Um, it was also designed to disable Peter Parker if he ever chose to turn on Tony Stark Ooh. because Tony Stark is a monster. Is he a monster or is he just careful? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good insurance policy in my book. Aaron Aikman armor. Uh I mean, Lots of armors, aren't they? Yeah, and I, I, hey, I regret asking for Chunky now. That's just ridiculous. He has a kind of almost like a robot vibe to him because, like the 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 forearms and the gloves uh, and the boots are chunky. It's it's blue and red and shiny. I don't know how else to describe this. It just it's a bit chunkier. Yeah, um, this is again. It's not Peter Parker. It's a different. Sorry, it's not our Spider Man. It's not six one six Spider Man. He never wore this. Um, in fact, no, it isn't Peter Parker. It is Aaron Aikman. I don't know how they chose this one. Like some of them make sense. Mm. I don't know how they chose this this one really. Some of them are like class. Even the one offs, they're like, oh yeah. yeah, that's a classic look. Or oh yeah, they were in Spider Verse. That's cool. That's a cool look from Spider Verse. Um, Aaron Aikman. Uh, 2004 story from a different world. He undergoes like experimental treatment to resequence his DNA, hmm. and with that of a already genetically altered spider, he gets superhuman powers, and then he builds a suit of cybernetic armor, and that's that's that. Yeah, but not it's not Peter Parker. Okay, next up, Cyborg Spider Man. Bloody hell! Uh, basically, <clears throat> if uh cable was spider-man uh, yes yeah it's, very accurate yeah it looks like normal spider-man suit there's some tears in it uh some bandage a bandage around the the right thigh he's got like an eye patch uh night vision thing across one eye and what appears to be a metal arm oh and he's got a utility got a little utility belt how nice yeah, again, it's another like very famous front cover. Hmm. Um, Eric Larson was the uh, artist and the writer at the time. He took over from Todd McFarlane on Spider-Man. 1994, um, and Spider-Man gets very severely injured and shot to hell. And at the end of the issue... So he's rescued by a character called Cyborg X, who is just uh, yeah, a terrible Cyborg. character. Yeah. Um, and at the end of the issue, Cyborg X has saved his life, and Spider-Man wakes up and takes the, the, the hospital bed sheets off him in this like mm. unofficial hospital, and his arm has been replaced by a robot arm, and he's got like a robot eye, and basically you go, oh my god, Spider-Man's become a cyborg, like Cable or whatever. Yeah. Cyborgs were really popular and in... In this period in in the nineties, yep. and especially in comic books, cyborgs were everywhere in comics in the uh, kind of mid nineties. I remember um, the, 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 that that period of time where cyborgs were everywhere yeah. in things. Yeah, I think some kind of Terminator two yes. uh, overlap, and, just and maybe Universal that. Soldier as well. Although yeah. they didn't look like cyborgs, cyborg just became the cool new word for robot. It's like we discovered it and we went, "Ah, oh, cool cyborg." It's, and so <laughs> it was. I know it isn't, but it became the cool new term and. We're able to kind of do stories that weren't about like emotionless robots, but mm. we were able to have some of these kind of not like a cyber, to it. cyberpunk thing where you're just buying yourself a new arm. That's that's the thing. Like uh, I, I always had this thing. Like my definition of cyborg um, was definite in my mind. Then then Terminator sort of made me go, oh, okay, because I always had like cyborg 
is a human with robotic parts. Android is a robot that looks human. And I thought, okay, that makes sense. And then you have Terminator, and they say, oh, it's a cyborg, cybernetic organism. No, it's a robot. But they say it's a robot covered in actual yeah it's not a cyborg in my mind but yeah it doesn't work in my mind it doesn't go the other way yeah you can't slap some skin on a robot and call it like a cyborg it doesn't work like that (laughs) (laughs) but if you've got a pacemaker you're technically a cyborg so well done you you can uh, Um, you can put lipstick on a pig but it's not arnie Nope, so yeah, it, that, that didn't. Um, despite the fact it, it, we got a shock ending where it looked like he'd become a cyborg, it mm. very quickly turned out that they were all just metal casts and metal coverings of his. His arm was still there, so he was and, cosplaying as a cyborg. Yeah, but it was such a popular sought-after front cover again because of Eric Larson's artwork and the shock factor and stuff, and it was the nineties that they, like it lasted in people's minds, and they, they made action figures of that moment and stuff like that, and callbacks to it and then during the spider-verse they just said well maybe there's a universe where he actually did become a cyborg and so that character kind of came about as an actual there's a universe out there and we see it in spider-verse where he did become a cyborg and he looked just like this excellent excellent right this one i'm very surprised made it to the list because i thought this was a joke costume it's the uh bombastic bagman suit bombastic bagman uh, it's a Fantastic Four suit, uh, you know, blue uh, blue uh, uh, spandex thing with uh, black gloves and uh, boots. But, this is the great bit, he's wearing a paper bag on his head with Spider-Man eyes drawn on. What the hell? In 1984, Spider-Man <laughs> doesn't like his new black costume. It's acting weird. He this, takes it yeah. to Reed Richards for testing, and Reed Richards tells him, it's a parasite that's sucking you dry. Yep. Why did you bring this home from an alien world, you lunatic? So Spider-Man obviously doesn't want to put that black costume on ever again, but also he has no other clothes to wear. He's there in his boxer shorts, hiding his face from the Fantastic Four, because he doesn't want anyone to know his secret identity. Um, he needs to get home by web-swinging, he needs to protect his secret identity, so Johnny Storm screws with him by giving him an old Fantastic Four costume with a paper bag for their head. Amazing. And it's a very funny moment, and everyone enjoyed it. Ah, that's, that's good. I like that. I like that. Finally, uh, this one looks incredible. Uh, the Future Foundation suit. Uh, oh, I'm just looking at the suit power. Oh, it doesn't say suit power none. It says, this suit may look sleek and impressive, but it won't increase your skill level at all. The white and black Spider-Man suit doesn't offer any power-ups, but you will look cool while running around. Great. That was not needed. (laughs) So how do I describe this? Oh, God, it looks like... It looks very alien-y, futuristic, uh, cleaning white all over with some black uh, spider pattern on the torso. And some some piping up and de- black piping up and down the the arms and the legs looks like it's all one piece. And then you have the uh, the head, the mask, which has a looks like uh, if anyone's read the uh, 1980s cyberpunk novel Neuromancer by William Gibson, he has Molly Millions eyes. They look like uh, which are reflective mirrored eye things. Mm. Yeah, you should read that book. It's really good. I might give it a go. Um, this is uh, yeah. So in in 2010. Johnny Storm has sacrificed himself to save the world. Mm. The Fantastic Four recruit Spider-Man to take his best friend's place on the team. But they 
retire the, the, the their old costumes. They retire the colour scheme. They even retire the name, the Fantastic Four. Mm. Like, we can't be the Fantastic Four without Johnny. And it's wrong to say we can. So they rename themselves the Future Foundation, which was the name of their school for kids as well. And so the mm. FF is still the FF, but it's the Future Foundation. There's still four of them, but it's Spider-Man instead of Johnny Storm. And they don't have the classic blue costumes they have these white and and, and black ones and it yeah, looks like it's that's... Been designed by apple <laughs> <laughs> one of the great things about this game will is that you've got the little small sort of side mission collectibles revolving around uh peter parker's backpack spider-man's backpacks um and that they just they really build out the they do a lot of world building, a lot of building of the lore of the last how many years he's been Spider-Man. Mm. Um, I know that's something a lot of people wrote to us and, and said they enjoyed. Um, and it was a thing I really enjoyed as well, especially mm. because a lot of these had real kind of like direct references to things from the comics. So there was a lot of treasure trove <laughs> of um, of kind of little Easter eggs going on in the, in, in the backpacks. Um, and there, that's for that whole game, right? There's there's different backpacks in all the different parts of the city. Mm. Is that right? Yeah, I, I think you like have a sensor for them. That basically he's stored them there for if he needs to grab something. You know. Yeah, quick. you follow on the map. Yeah, and um, is, the is, idea is that yeah. the idea is that over the years, all the many years of being Spider Man, whenever he has to transform into Spider Man, <laughs> he webs his backpack to a wall to hold his old clothes that he's changed <laughs> out of and whatever he was had that day. To rush off and do an emergency. Yeah. Presumably, this was a, a strange mixture of his webbing that didn't dissolve ver- ever. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was about which to say, is, usually, usually it dissolves, is what I was. Yeah, if that's yeah. true, that the city should be littered in just s- threads of his web from whatever he's been swinging. Criminals should still, that he webbed at this time, should still be in. His uh, his webbing, I don't understand, but there we go. Yeah, I, I kind of it's it's one of those things where oh maybe he just made you know extra strong webbing or something, and he has a, you know you know like uh, no no I'm not going to use that analogy. Forget I even <laughs> thought about saying something. That's going to be awful. Uh, okay, good. So yeah, um, th- those are things you have to track down, and some of them are just to do with this universe, but others are Easter eggs. So we thought we'd mm. go through and look at all the Easter egg, all the little collectibles, the backpack collectibles mm. um, that have a connection to the comic book world. Yeah. Uh, before we before we go into this, I just want to say, I will mention it again later when it comes to the end of this, uh, I this is probably the one of the only games that I tried that I pretty much 100%ed on the first go. Wow. Because I was so invested in finding all the stuff because it was sometimes i just find myself web swinging for the sake of it aimlessly because it was such a fun way to get around i I agree it's one of the funnest things i i i only started fast traveling towards the end of the game and even then i was like ah i kind of like web swinging across the city i was exact again so much of this game had all the things i loved about vice city when i first played that game what i did with i i found drive just driving around in vice city was fun and a large part of that was the radio and you need uh, you need to do the missions to get access to the rest of the game rob you needed to i never really didn't really care (laughs) i didn't honestly didn't care there was a Uh, military base with a helicopter 
I didn't really invite. I didn't really care. I was just. I, I the first thing I did was steal like a pink moped. Yes, you and did. as soon as I got on, yeah. um, Beat It was playing. Billy Jean like, by Michael this, Jackson. Billy Jean. Yeah, I, like, I had. This to, is the yeah. most incredible game I've ever played. Um, it was so good. It introduced me to a lot of music that game. And then the talk radio stations were really oh, they funny. Were good. Yeah. Um, and the music and, and actually there's talk radio in, in this game of course with the J the JJ and Jameson thing did as you, well. Did, so, you ever, did you ever play uh quick tangent? I'll be very quick. Uh did you ever play GTA five? I played San Andreas. Oh I, GTA five is two games uh, later. No, 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 no. It's it's really good. But uh, you remember the talk show Laszlo's on the talk show? Laszlo's not, called. Not really. He actually appears in GTA Five as a character because ah. like, he's the talk show host in like the first three games or whatever, and he actually pops up as a character ah, right. presenting a horrible reality TV show and then gets his ass kicked. It was good. So we're going to go through the backpack mm. collectibles. Um, people yeah. say people say it's ludicrous that there's so many backpacks. Yeah. They explain that it's explained in the backpacks. Um, he wins the Fisk Science Award. And he says he can't take any money from Wilson Fisk, but part of the prize was a life's a lifetime supply of backpacks. <laughs> so they do explain they do explain why he has so many backpacks that he can web up and leave behind. Because part of a I, science award was <laughs> I, I I find Wilson Fisk to be a abominable man, awful. I'm not going to take your money, but I'll happily take your backpacks. <laughs> happily take your. I could, I, 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 I like to me. think that he has to send a written request directly to the kingpin every two weeks. Please, can I have one more backpack? And Fisk has to go down to the shop and buy it and post it to him. And he's like. You asked for a backpack in front of Vanessa. <laughs> <laughs> so there is a, a self-help book that we find in the financial district. Um, yeah. And that seems odd. So I paid attention to the name of the author, Dr. Ludwig Reinhardt, which is an Ooh. alias used by Mysterio ah. to impersonate a psychiatrist and try to convince Spider-Man to reveal his secret identity and stuff like that. Very nice. Um, in Harlem, there is a sketch, uh, like there's a, a page from his old book of him mm. sketching Spider-Man costumes, and a bunch of those kind of costumes and designs actually are in the game. And like the Scarlet Spider mask is in there, the two thousand, the twenty ninety nine mask is in there, um, the light up chest emblem from the nanotech suit is is in there as well. Nice. Um, so there's something in there. In Midtown, there is a job application to a coffee shop. Hmm. Uh, the Coffee Bean is a very important location in the 1960s. It's where, when Peter goes to uh, university and becomes kind of cool, it's where he hangs out. <laughs> him and MJ and Gwen Stacy and Harry Osborne and Flash Thompson, they all would hang out together um, in the late 60s at the Coffee Bean. That was oh, so a the real late 60s. Okay, because all I heard in my head was a Friends theme tune. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Back, like like Java stop, and yeah. there'd be beat poetry going on, and people clicking their fingers and stuff. Excellent. Um, there is um, a recipe for Aunt May's wheat cakes. Ooh, hello. Do you know what wheat cakes are? Have you talked to me about this in our many off uh, off mic conversations about food? No, oat cakes. No, no, oat no, cakes. You talk no, about no, oat, oat cakes, cakes which is oat just. Cakes. From where I'm part of, but these are wheat cakes which are American. Yeah, I, no, 
No, but wheat they sound cakes good. They sound good. are pancakes. <laughs> ah, I don't know why right. they, 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 the description I found online, right? Which is they're pancakes that are made using wheat flour. How else do you make pancakes? With corn flour? I don't know. Corn. I don't know what Americans mm. are using to make their regular pancakes, but wheat cakes. Just, just uh, what's that stuff they put in everything instead of sugar? Corn syrup. Just corn just syrup. Corn yeah, syrup on the thickening agent. Yeah. So in the early issues of Amazing Spider-Man in the 1960s, Aunt May mm. is like there's a thing in the 60s about physical appearances, and being skinny and thin was not appropriate for a man. Right. Um, and there's a lot of focus and attention about feeding Peter up. He's got to eat more. He looks mm. sickly. He looks thin. And that's kind of a thing of like moms and parental things. It's a thing in general. Uh, oh, he needs to eat more. He needs to feed him up. You're not eating enough and all of that. And it's a mm. way of people trying to show their care, if they're not, even if they're not connected to your life. And that had resonance because Aunt May wasn't really involved in Peter's life much. And she'd come ever- and go... If you've ever stayed with Mediterraneans, definitely. <laughs> they, they, yeah, they, yeah. yeah, definitely happens. So he'd come and go, and she'd try and show care by feeding him. But the mm. only thing she seemed to know how to make were wheat cakes, mm. um, which Peter would... He hated them, but he would dutifully force them down to make her feel happy. And <laughs> since then, they've become like a long-running joke in Spider-Man comics for long-time right. readers. Nice, um, nice. So that's a little nod to, to, to that. Um, there's a locket with his parents' photos in. Oh, uh, and he's, he mentions that um, uh, no one can. I, I'm, it's a shame no one can know that they were actually government agents. Uh, mm. And in the comic books, they were murdered by the Red Skull. Um, we've talked about this. Uh, they were double agents for the CIA, undercover in the Red Skull's operation, and he had them murdered in a plane crash. And also, it's not the real Red Skull; it's the fifties Red Skull, who's a Russian communist, not a German Nazi. We don't have enough time. We're moving on. Um, there's a uh, VIP card from a nightclub, and he talks about Harry. Um, and indeed, uh, in 2008, when they brought Harry Osborne back to the comic book. He returned to New York and had a, a nightclub called The Deep End. Um, <laughs> Sorry. It's the name of the club for some reason. I, You think about it, it's like, no, it's not rude. But part of me is going, no, there's something rude here. There's something rude to be. I can't... I have a feeling mm. it was like on the docks or it was near water. That would make sense. Then that's fine. At, at some point, it becomes like... I think MJ takes it over. Or maybe it's mm. a different club. I can't quite remember. MJ ran a club at one point. Harry owned a club at one point. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. Um, rubber gloves. He finds ah. rubber gloves, uh, which he calls the electro gloves, which he used to beat electro. And indeed, in issue nine of The Amazing Spider-Man, way back in the 60s, Spider-Man, after getting his ass kicked, uh, realises... He can touch Electro without being electrocuted if he wears some marigold, some rubber gloves, which is how he beats him. Um, another thing we find is the Vulture Jammer. Um, uh, similarly to uh, the Electro Gloves in Amazing Spider-Man issue number two, he fights his second villain, supervillain, the Vulture. Um, he realises Toombs uses an electromagnetic device to fly, so mm. he builds a jammer and just knocks him oh, out of the sky. Very good. I also have to say that Vulture Jammer are my favourite 80s goth band. <laughs> <laughs> there is a physics book with a bullet hole in it, Ooh. 
And Spider-Man says it's from the time the police thought he was working with Electro. <laughs> wow. Well, back in Amazing Spider-Man 9, when he first encounters Electro, the police think Spider-Man is Electro. Why do they think that? Because J. Jonah Jameson yes, ran a newspaper campaign just claiming about to say that. that Spider-Man had a new costume persona, Electro. Because anyone that's bad he just goes, must be Spider-Man. And he convinces most of New York that Spider-Man is dressing up as Electro and hurting people. So the cops open fire when they see him. Amazing. Uh, there's a poster for a uh, Crusher Hogan wrestling event. Uh, Crusher Hogan is the name of the wrestler that Peter uh, fights and beats in his first public appearance as Spider-Man when he's kind of using that- his powers for the first time and getting money. You know what I'm going to ask, right? Sure. Is that where Hulk Hogan got his name from? No. Oh, okay. I don't believe so. Because um, like Hogan, Hogan isn't that much of a common name. I don't know Hogan's heroes and stuff in America. Uh, yeah, true, true. I'm not. I'm not I'm, I don't. I don't imagine so. Hogan being connected to a wrestler is certainly something. But in all my years of being an obsessive Spider-Man and wrestling fan, I've never come across any connection. Just one of those um, mysteries of the universe. Um, <laughs> yeah, because he. I mean, so he had it Sterling Golden. Sterling Golden was one of his early names. Yeah. Um, What's Terry Boulder. Terry Ter- Balea. Yeah, he that's was Terry. A, that's, that's a wrestling name in itself. He was Terry Boulder. Yeah. Um, on the back of that, Sterling Golden. Yeah. Um, Did, and then I don't know how he got to Hogan. Just, just reminds me uh, on a similar thing. Do you know what Alice Cooper's real name is? Oh, I do. Um, I was reading his 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 Wikipedia page the other day. Vincent Vernier. Vincent, which is a it, way yeah. cooler name. Not than Alice Cooper. Well, it's hard because Alice Cooper just has so many connotations now. It's yeah, Alice Cooper is like an iconic name. Mm. Yeah. Anyway. Um there's a rhino horn. Um Ooh, or wow. a segment from a rhino horn. And again, much like So the the way the character used to work is he'd fight a new villain, the villain would kick the crap out of him, and then he'd go away and invent a sciencey re- way of beating them. <laughs> that's that's it. every Spider-Man issue. That's kind of how it works, um, and so that's how we see with the Vulture and with Electro, and again with this one. Uh, this it, the first time I don't think he this happens. I think the, the Rhino escapes the first time he fights Spider-Man, but the second time they get into a fight, he gets a chip from the Rhino horn and he analyzes it with Kurt Connors, and he comes up with a special acid webbing that can dissolve the Rhino suit that gives the Rhino his powers, <laughs> but not. Acid burn the man to death. Um, yeah, because that, that's not what he's about. He's, he's it's a not what boy. he's about. He's a lovely yeah. boy. And then Fisk Spice. <laughs> it's uh, spice. Oh boy! A, spi- a jar of spice, Oriental spice that uh, Wilson Fisk is, has uh, sells in in the story, and that so- is part of six one six real Wilson Fisk's backstory. I am um, just imagining Vincent D'Onofrio's kingpin on like a cooking show as a guest, like <laughs> you'll really like this spice. It brings out the flavor in 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 the food. <laughs> in, as as he makes a single egg omelet. Yes. Um, <laughs> I was watching that episode the other day, yeah. and I'm like, look, good on you for making your own breakfast, but you could pay someone else to do it. So Fisk, uh, after. 
gaining success in the criminal underworld, he's very careful to invest his illegal gains in legitimate businesses. And the first company that he legitimately, uh, the first legitimate company he owns and controls, um, was one dealing in spices from the Far East. Um, mm. And several times, uh, in, in even recent comic, comics, you'll you, he will refer to himself in public as being merely a humble dealer in spices. <laughs> Um, despite the fact he's got billions and a helicopter and keeps shooting at Daredevil. Here we go then, Will. It's time to uh, press the triangle button on the controller. <laughs> no. Let's, don't, press, don't press play. What have you got to press? I was just press about to say... Start. Oh, there we go, because you said the triangle button. I was there going, how yeah. long have you not played your PlayStation 4? You never Why? press... You, you always you said press try press angle, X but oh press X press, right you press yeah. start you press no start, I meant the, the start button which is an X which is a, this is a, this is a side on triangle like the play button isn't it yeah sorry yeah. Well, it used to be in 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 the old days I was thinking of the uh, PlayStation of the, the four triangle. buttons yeah yeah, so, yeah, yeah sorry, that's a good point you... no that's my fault that's my fault yeah we'll we'll get over this select uh, and start press let's press start or if you're on the PC enter. Uh, <laughs> In New York City, Peter Parker is awoken in his apartment by his phone hacked into the police <laughs> bandwidth. In his apartment? That was such a theatrical read. I love it. Bat- <laughs> no, I'm not doing it to Matt Berry. To, to Matt Berry. So. Hacked into the police bandwidth, alerting all units of an incident at Fisk Tower. Not wasting any time, Peter dons his Spider-Man suit as Spider... Sorry, Peter dons his Spider-Man suit. As Spidey swings across Manhattan, he's contacted by Yuri Watanabe, captain of the New York City Police Department, who also provides intel to Spider-Man. Fisk's men are preventing the NYPD from entering the building. So I loved... Uh, back to the Easter eggs. I loved this opening. This opening scene is just fantastic. It's just so good. It really sets the mood up in a, in a positive, like really cool way, without being too like serious. Like, and also the pan over the desk before he wakes up of all the Easter eggs and the equipment is incredibly efficient. World building, you've got all the stuff. It tells you what's happened recently in the news st- reports and stuff. Great. Yeah. Also, Peter Parker getting ready for breakfast in a dingy flat was just brilliant. Like he's hopping to get his suit on while he's got a bit of toast in his mouth and I was that won me over that that I knew I was going to have a great time with this game once I saw that cuz I was like yes they've got the character down there's this relatable to, to it but in a funny way cuz you know what it's I think, like when you're late for work yeah I think they nail that in like the the Spider-Verse m- movies yes. as well with Miles and I think they nail it in the Raimi movies mm. and I'm not sure they nail it in the in the Mark Webb Andrew Garfield movies, but most of the time they they, they do a good job on on scene with with capturing the 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 kind of the fumbling over his whole life and having no money. Again, you'd think if you had a director with the name Webb, uh, you'd have had a good spider <laughs> yeah. man film, but uh, sadly not. Uh, also, uh, with the with the fighting in the game, uh, it took me a little bit of time to get to grips with because. I, I saw it as, oh, this is gonna, basically going to be like playing Arkham uh, Arkham Knight, Arkham City, Arkham Asylum. But it's it's a bit different because with that game, it was all dependent on rhythm. When you hit someone, when you, when your punch makes contact with someone, you've got to press the button again, like a rhythm, to, to actually get the, the flow going. And I was tr- obsessively doing that. 
and getting my, my arse handed to me. Yeah, as, as someone who really struggles with uh, hand-eye coordination Rith- and yeah, muscle Rith- memory yeah. stuff, I, I really struggle with the fighting system of this game. But I struggle with all games. It's not a fault of the game. It's it's my brain. Yeah, that, don't don't feel too bad. It took me a little while. To I don't. To. I don't feel bad. No, 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 no don't, don't, don't kick yourself, Rob. Don't need to kick yourself. No, it, it, I can't. It, I can't. I have terrible motion. Terrible motion. <laughs> terrible just, rhythm. If I, I try like and I, kick myself, I'll fall over. I'm just rubbing it in at this point. But it's like for me, it was like it was like having to move. It was like reconfiguring in my head. Oh, okay. Now I can do it. Okay. So anyway, on with the story. Spider-Man progresses through the tower. It turns out that it was a trap, and Fisk's attempts to escape with a helicopter, but had to wait for it to land on the tower. After Spider-Man breaks into the room Wilson is in, Wilson attempts to fight the webhead. Spider-Man, luckily, uh, defeats uh, defeats uh, Fisk and uh, assists in the NYPD in arresting him. Yeah. Also, I really love the line here when he talks to Fisk. Uh, he's, he's writing something on his desk, and he goes... Oh, you're writing, uh, you're writing your, your, your confession or whatever. Don't forget the hyphen between spider and man. Because I laugh every time I'm writing notes for this because I always put the hyphen in. I always remember to put the hyphen when, when typing Spider-Man. Or that's, that's, a, that's a classic Spidey joke. Is it? Um, yeah, yeah. Yes. The, like, I think it. I can remember it being turning up in the 70s, um, probably not so much in the 80s. But yeah, it's a classic, it's a classic Spidey joke. And then in, in, like, in, during Dan Slott's run, uh, was it Dan Slot or was it the other guys? The guy that came after Dan Slot? It might have been. I'm not 100. percent In a mm. relatively recent, like post 2010 comic, um, the Black Cat is arguing with, let's call her the Queen of All Thieves, um, mm. and as they're arguing back and forth, and Spidey's in the background with nothing to do, he keeps like, like they're saying his name a lot, but the speech bubbles have oh. the name as Spider Man, <laughs> yeah, and he just interjects and tries to wedge himself into the conversation and he's like i'm sorry to interrupt but i can tell when you're saying it without the hyphen and it just really bothers me I and then that, in the that's next almost panel, like breaking the fourth wall isn't it that's in the next panel he trails off and he's like it's just it's the tiniest of pauses between the words oh, <laughs> um and it. at some point this was seized upon by reddit and imga and it has become a, a meme uh, in uh, over the years like all spider the best, hyphen man like all the best things it's become a meme uh, well, also, no, <laughs> no, you're wrong. Everything's good when it's mean. Um, also, not that you got to the end of it. Uh, solid first mission to a game. This actually felt like it could have been the final level in a different game because it felt like the the final battle, climbing up the tower to defeat the evil guy. Not in, not in, you mean you mean not like in hardness, but in like in not in difficult of, level, but in terms of not not difficult level, but yeah. in terms of the way it's set up. The well, way it's Fisk. You're beating Fisk. Fisk starting off the game, I'm beating Fisk. Is, starting off game, I'm beating Fisk. That that yeah. is a high bar, and but it feels like it feels like a classic uh, final level for a video game because you're working through endless waves of enemies while while ascending a tower to fight the bad guy. Yeah, at the it, top. it felt pretty rough start to me personally, but there we go. Um it had it felt a little bit like the um you know, in Indiana Jones we, we, we're almost beginning in media res as yes. Spider-Man should because Spider-Man's an ongoing story. It felt like we're joining Indiana Jones at the end of the last mission. Um mm. which is how Indiana Jones movies tend to always start, the last adventure, sorry. And this felt very much like that we're just ending something here with Fisk and Watanabe and things. God, yeah, I, I I do like that kind of uh, e-media res telling story, especially with with superhero stuff, because it's just like, especially when you know them, it's just like we don't need to, we don't need to, yeah, you know, start it anyway. Uh, after another job well done, Spider-Man swings over to his day job, working as a lab assistant for Doctor Ot- Otto Octavius. 
Changing out of a suit and into a lab coat, Parker is cautious as Otto is testing his experimental and temperamental robot limb technology. The experiment goes wrong and Parker frees Otto from the equipment. Otto tells Parker to take the day off as he heads home to recover. Peter, however, is determined to solve the problem. After making the required adjustments to Otto's technology, Parker suits up and swings away. Yuri calls Spider-Man and informs him that Kingpin will be incarcerated in the raft, along with the other supervillains, including Scorpion, Rhino, Electro, and the Vulture. However, she also needs a favour from the hero right away. So the first scene with Otto won me over as well. It's a great version of the character, and I love... It's it's like it's like a, a Batman the Animated Series, where you see Harvey Dent for, for a few episodes... Before mm. he becomes Two Face, you get kind of attached to him. Oh, it's yeah. good to have this character, and then boom, they they have their their heel turn. Uh, so it's a nice way of building this character up, and the way he's acted as well. Uh, the guy playing him did such a great job. He's very very human quality to him. Yeah. Also, in another bit, I, I actually quite quite like the hacking in this game, even though it's like a, a lot of hacking in like other games where you're literally just shuffling around tiles. To, to <laughs> you're basically shuffling around tiles to complete a circuit it's like it, it kept me engaged the music they kept using for it was nice i always went out of my way to hack stuff it was wonderful so this is i wasn't expecting um peter to be working with, with dr otto octavius was he ever a protege of his in the comics no no i think that's 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 just for this I, just for this game i can't even think of another like alternate reality where um, well, that's the case. Uh, in the Ultimate Spider-Man universe, they they tie Otto into the the experiment that gives Peter his powers, but they don't know each other, and it's not his mentor or anything. Yeah, um, I I really think this dynamic and this attention to Otto really does come from um, the more recent Dan Slot stories, which make Otto much more prominent. Um, the the, the long running superior Spider Man storyline that, that um, we've looked at on on Patreon, where Octavius swaps minds with Peter Parker and becomes a new yeah. Spider Man and stuff. That that return, well, really, it brought it brought Doctor Octopus to the very forefront. Like he'd spent decades, Otto had as sort of a B class Spidey villain yeah. taking a real back seat in the in the in the eighties and nineties to like Osborne and Venom and Carnage. And but but since the Superior Spider-Man stories, he spent ten years or more being a very prominent character, mm. um, and uh, and and Superior Spider-Man also kind of gives this very. It ends up with a very humanized Otto, which we hadn't had before, and I think there are elements of that 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 they they took in a very different direction, but there yeah. are elements of it I think they picked up on. Yeah, I yeah. It, it, it's 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 really refreshing to see because I said again, like we said earlier in the production, they said. We don't want to be basing this on an existing story. We want to be creating our own thing. So I really it, love what they did. It here. does. It does feel like I'm sure they are making this for a wide audience of anybody and everybody. But obviously, the selling point. Some I, I think a, a big selling point of Spider Man is the stories and story long running stories that bring yeah. people back. And that build a connection, um, and obviously all stories should kind of do stuff like that. But I really think they've tried to emphasize that they they've tried to have uh, you go on a journey with certain characters in a way that you mm. would in the comic books and stuff. And maybe that's just me being naive about about storytelling in video games, and, and perhaps they all do that now. I don't know, but it felt to me like they they'd worked 
very hard at having elements of, of comic book uh, dimensions in it. Yeah. In terms of long term storytelling and yeah. yeah, character arcs and stuff. Excellent stuff. Meeting Yuri on top of the police building, Spider-Man is informed that the Oscorp surveillance technology across the city has gone wrong, and the web-slinger is probably the best guy to fix it. Swinging across the city, Spider-Man repairs the tower one by one. Along the way, the hero has various encounters with a group of tracksuit criminals. Their short reign of felonies is cut short after Spider-Man presents them from robbing a jewellery store. The city is a bit safer for another day at least. Uh, this is the first uh, bit of the game where you hear random J. Jonah Jameson rants on the radio. He has his little uh, what, talk show. Gets, talk, it, it, gets, it gets called a right-wing podcast or something, and it's just really, it's really fantastic because, okay, J.K. Simmons, no one, I don't think anyone can beat him, but the guy doing this one comes comes very close to J.K. Yeah. yeah. Also, Yuri Watanabe, uh, well, sorry, Watanabe, uh, I never heard of her before. Uh, I, I thought she was a character created for the game. Is, is that the case? No, um, she's from the comic books, introduced in uh, 2009 as as part of this sort of um, soft relaunch of, mm. of Spider-Man called Brand New Day. Um, uh, we need to go back to the 1970s and 80s first. Right. So there's a, a tough female cop called Jean DeWolf, um, a captain in the police force that was introduced in the 70s and became quite an important character to the Spider-Man stories. Mm. Um, she met Spidey on a case hunting down a brutal vigilante called the Wraith, who was a costumed vigilante that was killing criminals. Despite her tough stance on murder and vigilantes, DeWolf became an ally of true heroes like Spider-Man and the Daredevil and mm. Doctor Strange, I guess. Um, in 1985, she was murdered in her sleep by a serial killer. Called the Sin Eater. The Sin Eater? Um, The Sin Eater. That rings a bell. Have Um, we talked about him before? Maybe very briefly. Yeah, that rings a bell. It it was a groundbreaking story. Well, the Sin Eater Mm. is a thing from tradition and not quite myth, but anyway, the name is not an original name. It was a groundbreaking story. Um, it was probably the darkest Spider-Man story that that, that that had happened. I know Gwen Stacy had died, but it was in the 70s and things were lighter and brighter. Um, it had Spider-Man grappling with a, a, a thirst for, for vengeance and there was a lot of morality brought into question. And Jim DeWolf's death had a very lasting effect on Spider-Man. It's up there with the deaths of like Captain Stacy and Gwen Stacy and Uncle Ben as one of the many failures of, of, of having power and, and not saving people. Um in 2009, Captain Yuri Watanabe is introduced as Jean DeWolf's friend and protege. Mm. She followed... Jean DeWolf was Watanabe's mentor. And Yuri has inherited a lot of Jean's passions and beliefs. So she's tough. She's no nonsense. She's very, very frustrated that the justice system is unable to bring powerful people to order. But she also knows that Spider-Man is someone to work with and be trusted because DeWolf trusted him. Around the same time, the Wraith reappears in New York. Um, and Yuri works the case, Spider-Man works the case. It would appear that the Wraith takes the mask off and mm. is Jean DeWolf. Ah, okay. And it very much looks like the ghost of Jean DeWolf is haunting the criminals of New York. Mm. The, the Wraith appears to be dead 
to be this spectral figure. This mystery hangs in the air for quite a while. Um, and eventually it's revealed that this has been a red herring. Gene DeWolf is not back from the dead. The new Wraith is using a collection of supervillain equipment stolen from police evidence, including one of the chameleon's masks that lets Ah. them impersonate the ghost of Gene DeWolf. And the the, the new Wraith is finally revealed to be Yuri Watanabe. Um, Not murdering criminals, but going around assembling equipment like Mysterio's Mysterio's illusion tech, mm. Chameleon's mask. She uses some fear gas from Mr. Fear, and she's created a spectre to haunt the streets of New York. That evening is Aunt May's party at Feast, the charity where she works. Martin Lee, the operations manager at Feast, contacts Peter to help out getting the event sorted. Arriving on time, Peter distracts Aunt May while Martin gets the cake ready. As Peter tells May what a wonderful person she is, Martin, along with the other Feast employees, Enter with the cake and more praise. Later that evening, Peter has to leave the party early to check a voicemail from Yuri. A silent alarm has been tripped at an auction house holding Wilson's estate. Spider-Man heads over right away. I really love this version of Aunt May uh, too. I mean, she comes off like more like a well, more real person than the other versions I've seen. She she feels real, yeah. like a regular regular person, not an actor playing a person. Uh, also, I really love how they're building up Martin Lee as a nice guy here as well. He is a nice guy. He's a he's a nice he's guy. A thoroughly no. nice guy. Th- thoroughly nice guy. Yeah. Martin Lee is a very nice guy. Martin Lee's a yeah. Okay, we'll we'll get onto that later. But yeah. So, Aunt May, uh, I always had her down as a dodgery lady. Uh, what what's her personality like in the comics though? Like in the very original, st- so. Spider-Man and Aunt May original creators are Stan Lee and Steve Ditko. And in those original stories, um, she is very weak, doddery, very frail old woman, always wrought with worry about Peter and prone to feeling faint and being scared about the dangers of New York and, oh, my nephew in alone in the city. Once Steve Ditko left the comic... Um, and Stanley was 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 creating it with uh, an artist called John Romita Jr. The depiction of Aunt May changed forever, and from that mm. point on, Aunt May was always written, generally speaking, with an underlying strength, like something that had clearly carried her through, like a tough life, losing the, the Peter's parents and mm. her husband dying and raising a troubled nephew that's in and out all the time. Um, now she's not always a prominent character. She is used quite often as like a character device, I would say. Like, I can't do this because of Aunt May. I've got to do that because of Aunt May, rather than her having her own stories. Mm. This game, and the story of this game, draws a lot from this this sort of soft relaunch of Spider-Man called Brand New Day. And that's when Dan Slott came aboard. He's an incredibly important Spider-Man writer of the modern era. He'd write the character for over a decade. And he knew that Aunt May was really important. Mm. And instead of just have her sit home and worry about Peter, he always came up with great new things for Aunt May to do and to be involved in. She starts off, and an awful lot of it, she's used very well by Dan Slott as like always nudging Peter to be a better person in his Mm. personal life. And sometimes with lessons that carry on over to Spider-Man. But she pushes Peter to get a job in tech and not just 
repeat the cycle of taking pictures for the Daily Bugle. Yeah. Um, there's a very touching scene where she basically gets him an interview and gets him the job. And then when he's got his first day, there's like a buzz on his door. It's six in the morning and it's Aunt May and she's bought breakfast. And she's like, go and get, I've picked out this suit. This is the suit for you. Go and get changed. Go and get dressed. And she's like, mate, you can't take me to work. I mean, I don't want you to go, oh, yes, I can. It's your first day <laughs> in a job that you've wanted to do since you were a child and have never done. And she mm. goes on that, she goes with him on the bus and like basically hooks him and sends him off on his first day into the job at Horizon Labs. And in that last moment, as he walks off, she kind of looks up and says to herself, he finally did it, Ben. And then the, the the panel has a montage, like a little faded like memory of of um, a recreation of a Ditko drawing from the very early issues of Spider Man, where he's Peter is playing with a science kit and wants to be a scientist, mm. and it's never followed through in 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 the stories since the sixties because he's never been able to have a tech job and stuff. It was a lovely oh, little that's moment. Wonderful. But working at feast with the homeless—that's what something Dan Stott introduced in in this in this period of time. And she goes on to um, marry the father of J. Jonah Jameson. Um, so Pete, Pete Pete becomes brother brother-in-law to J. Jonah Jameson. That is and messed up. A really unique, fun dynamic, and she she starts running a charitable foundation in Ben Parker's name, and yeah, like a lot of great stuff is kind of written for the character to do in, in that Dan, Dan Slot era and um, yeah I think that this, this story draws on that quite a bit that's good to hear because I always thought there's a lot of potential with her that I uh, you know I wanted to see more of arriving at the auction house Spider-Man runs into his ex-girlfriend Mary Jane Watson as well as masked gunman searching for a file Mary Jane finds the file which details a secret project named Devil's Breath but the gunman sees the file from her and escape despite being estranged Peter and Mary decide to work together to investigate the theft. This is a really stunning MJ. I really love the, the MJ in this game. Uh, I mean, not you know, she, she, again another character who looks real, like a real person. Uh, very, very, very well executed, and she has a lot of agency in this story. She really like does. She gets things done, and it's so good to see. Yeah, they, they changed the character quite significant, quite quite a fair bit, really. I have to say. But I like it. I think it's a very good, um, a very, a very interesting, fun character. Um, Mary Jane does get eventually get some stuff to do, but I've always uh, like I remember when when the, the whole pro- there was this problem with Mary Jane, and we got to get rid of Mary Jane, and Mary Jane ages the character, and he can't have. And I always thought Mary Jane should have become the guy in the chair for Peter yes. Parker. Yeah. Like that just so obviously should have been the use for the character. When you think of an awful lot of storytelling uh, with sci-fi and fantasy, tends to draw from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, um, and an awful mm. lot of like Buffy is not portrayed as a particularly smart person that can work and figure things out, and she has these people around her that do research and that yeah. get access to computers for her and do X, Y, and Z, and call her and you need to do this and do that, and and I always thought that could have been a really great Mary Jane role, like she's. Or even like the or not quite as smart as this, but the the Barbara Gordon Oracle role in in Batman, mm. like someone on the phone who's looking something up online while Peter is hurling himself through the sky to go. I, I can't I can't Google something right now. I need to know where this thing is. This hotel is. But <laughs> there we go. 
Yeah, I, I get that. I would like to see that. Uh, I like, as I said like this game isn't an origin story. We're doing a lot of things that have happened before the game, such as MJ and Peter breaking up, which was really interesting. Mm, uh, yeah. Really interesting aspect of the story. Just show some mileage there. Yeah. Anyway, the next day, outside City Hall, Officer Davis hugs his family before heading up to the podium to accept his award. In the crowd, Peter updates MJ about the information he found on the demons. Mayor Osborne begins his speech, but after awarding Officer Davis his medal, his assistant tells him he has an urgent phone call. As Osborne heads off the stage, Officer Davis nervously begins his speech, thanking his wife Rio and his son Miles for their support. Backstage, Mayor Osborne received a receives a threatening phone call from someone claiming that over the coming days, Norman's company, the city, and everything he cares about will be destroyed. Taking the call with a pinch of salt, Norman bluntly asks what the mysterious caller wants. Before hanging up, the caller replies, To watch you suffer. Realising that this could be serious, Norman is whisked away by his security. In the crowd, Peter's spidey sense alerts him to several men approaching the crowd emitting energy. As one of them explodes, the mayor's assistant emits the same mysterious energy, opening his jacket to reveal a bomb vest. Without thinking, Davis pushes the suicide bomber away just before the bomb detonates. So again, um, it, was, it was good to see this version of Norman Osborn. He's charming, but conni very conniving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and mad that he's the mayor. That's, absolutely. That's absolutely mad. <clears throat> In the chaotic aftermath, Miles Morales is revived by his mother before she runs off to find his father. Ignoring the risks, Miles heads off as well to find Officer Davis. Navigating through flaming shops and rubble, Miles finds his mother trapped under fallen debris. With the help of a paramedic, Miles frees his mother before continuing his search. Reaching the steps of City Hall, Miles sees more armed demons pull up and start opening fire on the remaining civilians. Sneaking around the carnage, Miles eventually reaches the steps, but is attacked by a demon wielding an enchanted sword. Just before the demon can attack, the masked man is ordered to stop and leave by his leader, Martin Lee. Aunt May's boss has been the leader of this brutal gang all along. As the demons leave, Miles finds his father lying dead in the <coughs> rubble. At Officer Davis's funeral, Miles is approached by Peter Parker, who tries to offer comfort for the mourning teenager. But Miles rebuffs Parker's attempts before leaving. This was such a shocking scene uh, on the first playthrough. Because it just felt like a real terrorist attack. Like a proper, oh mm. god, yeah, this is awful. And it was also, but it's also a great way of handling Miles' origin story. It handled that, you know. Well, it's like what we. This is a Spider-Man story, but we're also as well as focusing on Peter Parker. We're gonna smoothly set up Miles Morales as well. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's just a great way of doing it, and it worked so. This could have gone so badly, but it just it's so natural, so so organic. So uh, he's a nice guy. He's a lovely guy, Martin Lee. Uh, I take it he's a character from the comics as well. Yes, um, introduced in uh, 2007, um, a part of Brand New Day, and he becomes this kind of first new major Spidey villain since the 90s, really. Mm. Um, Martin Lee, uh, a, a, a kind philanthropist who helps the homeless and the downtrodden, um, but also, um, without his own knowledge, has a split personality. 
um, ah, and is also Mr. Negative, um, who Which has means, a strange. Sorry, so I was about to say, would that mean M- Martin Lee is Mr. Positive? Ray. Maybe. Uh, he has a strange <laughs> appearance that of like a photo negative when he becomes Mr. Negative yeah. um, and his, the colouring of his speech bubbles is inverted so everyone in the comic has white bubble with black text Mr. Negative has black bubble with, with, with uh, white text like um, a dream from Sandman yeah uh, yes yeah um, Mr. Negative is a ruthless crime lord um, who commands an army of thugs called the Inner Demons which names to kind of reflect the dual battling personalities within him. Um, and the inner demons wear these um, Chinese opera masks and mm. they have um, electrified swords and knuckle dusters and some other nunchucks and things. And they're able to, they're really hard to kill. They can regenerate from the most lethal of wounds in a matter of seconds. They are very difficult uh, henchmen to, to 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 battle like mm. gunshots impalements torn Oof. apart decapitated they can recover oh um yeah um so mr negative and his inner demons kind of rule chinatown they're the the, the crime lords of chinatown they come into conflict with spider-man when uh, mr negative makes a play to take over the entire criminal underworld of new york <laughs> um and he frequently goes to to, to war with other Crime lords like Norman Osborn and Wilson Fisk and the Hood and, 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 and things like that. And he appears, Mr. Negative appears to have the ability to corrupt innocent people. The uh, inner yes. demons are kind of believed to be corrupted people off the streets. Um, he was able to corrupt Aunt May um, and turn her into a nasty piece of work. Um, he was evil, able to corrupt Spider-Man and force Spider-Man to fight and work for him um, against the police and other criminals. It's only appropriate during this story, Will, where a negative man can <laughs> corrupt people into demons that we talk about the corruption at the heart of the podcasting world. Yes, that's right. The corruption that says... I'm not a part of this community. The corruption that says, I get to enjoy this podcast for free and bear no responsibility for its creation. Well, you're wrong. And it's turning you into a demon, an inner demon. Because only inner demons believe that great content like this exists for free. If you want us to continue with epics like X-Men The Last Stand and this Insomniac Spider-Man show... You've got to be part of this community. You've got to support us on patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel, where you can stand up and be counted and be a part of this community. Don't be negative. Don't be a demon. Be part of the MVM community. You can get yourself access to incredible bonus content when you support us. We all we all we ask for is that if you enjoy hours and hours and hours of our content every single month, which we know you do, the price of a drink, a cup of coffee, the price of a cup of coffee a month can really, really help us. What a great payback that would be for the hard work that me and Will put in and for the hours of content that you enjoy. It would help immensely as we progress with our more episodes and you can support us for just three pounds a month on patreon.com slash marvel versus marvel for that small tithe you get access to cool mini episodes each and every month if you go a little bit higher up you can get access to early access i should say to every single 
main show that we do. Um, they drop on Patreon three days before the rest of the world gets it. And a step above that brings you into the deep dive, the full-length bonus episode tier, where we do deep dives into amazing Marvel stories every single month. And, Will, we've looked at some big ones. This is a Spider-Man episode today. Mm-hmm. We've got Spider-Man bonus episodes like you wouldn't believe on there. We've got the superior Spider-Man that we've talked about, where Dr. Octopus swaps minds with Spider-Man and becomes a superior Spider-Man. We've got the clone saga up there to listen to. We've got Spider-Geddon. Sorry, we've got Spider-Verse, first of all, and then we've got Spider-Geddon, the big, big, big multidimensional spider episodes. We've got Civil War, where Spider-Man reveals his identity to the world and causes all sorts of trouble as he fights Captain America and joins with Tony Stark. Big, big, meaty Spider-Man episodes are up there, along with things like the Infinity Gauntlet deep dive, the Kang Dynasty deep dive, the Secret Invasion deep dive, House of M, Justice League fighting the Avengers. It's all available at that £10 tier on patreon.com slash marvel versus marvel real fans real listeners do the right thing and they get amazing bonus content as a reward they've never been happier i mean i haven't asked them i haven't checked i haven't done a survey i haven't spoken to their doctors but i'm willing to bet that our supporters have never been happier thanks to the amazing bonus content that they get on patreon and also thanks to the knowledge that they are supporting this show and ensuring these amazing episodes that entertain them for hours and hours and hours every month are still around and available and you can do the same on patreon.com slash marvel versus marvel back to the show a week has passed since the attack at city hall and it's been a rough change for the city the demons have grown bolder than ever, and the police have no idea that Martin Lee, or at least his alter ego, is behind the attack. MJ contacts Spider-Man to tell him that Martin Lee bought a controlling interest in a recycling center, and that could help find Lee. Also, the corrupt uh, <clears throat> the demons that were questioned by police seem to have had their minds mysteriously corrupted by Lee's influence. Sneaking into the recycling center, Spider-Man finds a weapon cache from Fisk's armory, as well as blueprints and equipment for truck bombs. Not only that, but a map indicates that the demon's next attack is Mayor Osborne's campaign offices in the city. After fighting with the demons outside the building, a squad of mysterious high-tech soldiers storm the building and surround Spider-Man. The next second, their leader, Silver Sablinova, descends from a helicopter firing at Spider-Man, but before he can apprehend the web sl- before she can apprehend the webslinger, uh, Yuri arrives with the police and intervenes, claiming that Spider-Man works for them. It turns out that after the attack on City Hall, Norman Osborn hired Silver's mercenary company, Sable International, to protect him. So, when Fisk was t- taken away uh, 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 after the first mission of the game, he-, he makes this whole big deal about the city going to hell without him in place and everyone will wish he came back. And he's like, oh, turns out he was right. Well, power vacuums, man. Power vacuums. Power, yep, power vacuums. Um, yep. That that happens in the Daredevil comics an awful lot. Um, when when Fisk is gone, um, especially during the time Bendis is writing, Michael, Brian Michael Bendis is writing the comic, mm. like all these other power kind of power mad crime lords try and take his spot, and they don't have the intelligence or the nuance of, of Fisk. So it's an awful lot of just open gunfire and wars on the streets. Yeah, I can imagine. Also. It's kind of crazy to see life trying to go 
on normal in the city with high tech soldiers occupying it. They're like you have like they have the, all these high tech checkpoints in places. It's, it's like an occupying army almost. During the Inferno event of the eighties, mm. when uh, Portal to Hell opens in the middle of Manhattan and demons are everywhere. The New Yorkers just get on with it. Yeah. <laughs> it goes on for like months and it's just like, oh, I'm sorry I'm late to work. The demons destroyed the subway car I was on and I had to walk. <laughs> and they just they just adapt and get on. And I really do like that presentation of, of New York. Yeah, I, I, I totally... London would something. be the same. London yeah. would just adapt and get on with it. Yeah. God. So, should have talked about this earlier but does norman osborne ever become mayor in the marvel comics because i you know we talked about the green goblin like running shield so obviously yeah being mayor, new york city mayor of new york city uh, wouldn't be that out of the question would it he doesn't but wilson fisk does <laughs> oh bloody hell so after the the, the 2017 secret empire storyline during that fisk banked a lot of goodwill and favors in mm. new york um he was like a bootlegger. He was like a black market kind of uh, business guy, like during a very, very, very difficult time. And he banked a lot of, like, regular people started to see Wilson Fisk during and after this event as a very, very harsh man, but kind of like almost like the gangster you could go to for protection because you sort of, for some reason, like he'll he'll fight for the city. Hmm. He'll fight against really bad things for the city. He might be corrupt and all that, but that weird dynamic started to happen. And Fisk was able to use the election uh, post-Secret Empire where things are crazy, and he becomes a last-minute candidate for mayor. Um, Mm. He avoids his criminal past by simply never answering the questions. Um, (laughs) And the fact that he was... He's never... uh, there, There was something weird about how... He's, his every conviction has been overturned on a weird technicality over the years, so he can kind of get away with all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, his primary policy is a bill to declare all vigilantes as criminals, anyone with a mask as a criminal. And he wins the election based on that kind of thing and That's begins yeah. his crusade against mask vigilantes like Spider-Man and Daredevil. And he establishes like a SWAT division that's specifically for taking down anyone in a mask, hero or villain. Mm. And they seem to, with relish, go after Spider-Man and Daredevil. And, and um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a fun, interesting dynamic. I love that. That's brilliant. The next day at Otto's lab, the Doctor experiments with his new neural interface for the prosthetic arms. Throwing a tennis ball with them, the new arms show a vastly improved dexterity and response. As Otto pushes the limits of the technology, he's able to juggle two dozen tennis balls perfectly. The experiment is a success, but Otto's enthusiasm seems a tad diminished. Peter asks what's wrong, and Otto, with a heavy heart, reveals that he has a degenerative neurological disorder, something he once kept secret. There's an additional motivation for Otto to make the robotic arms work. Getting a call from Aunt May, Peter hugs the doctor goodbye. This was a lovely little heart-to-heart moment, because it's 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 like it's nice to have this this other motivation. It's like I am. My body's going to fail me. I yeah. need this experiment completed. I need the I need these evil tentacle arms because <laughs> my body's failing me. <laughs> yeah. Later, responding to Otto's worrying message, Peter heads to the lab. Otto is in high spirits and wearing a new jumpsuit he bought for his experiments. 
When Peter asks where the experimental arms are, the doctor grins as two tentacled claws emerge from his back. With Peter's help, Otto's work is a complete success, but Peter is a bit worried about the lack of testing before Otto's rash decision to apply the arms to himself. Examining Otto's Neurolink system, Peter tells him that he's found a potential problem. It could be affecting parts of Otto's brain, including his mood. While Otto is initially uh, violently reluctant to stop using the technology, he calms down when Peter tells him that it could permanently damage his mind. Otto turns the system off and thanks Parker for everything. As Peter leaves, Norman Osborne appears on the TV in the lab. As Otto gets angry at his betrayer, he activates the tentacles again before smashing the TV in rage. So, here we go. Here comes the heel turn. Here comes Doc Ock. It's <laughs> like, you wait for this for the entire game, and then it, it happens, and you're like, yes, great! He's going to do it. So, uh, Dr. Ock's tentacles, they look impressive. Uh, we never really talked, we never really talked stats. <laughs> How strong are they? Let's go, yeah, let's do some stats. They, they can, they stats. can uh, each arm can lift several tons. Hmm. Um, that being said, they can't, so they can't displace the weight, right? So, uh. if he stood on the ground, he can't lift several tons with the arms because where's, oh. so one of the arms has to smash itself into the ground to take that weight and pass it on to the ground. Yes, I could see that when he's, when he, I see him doing that. And then that, the yeah. others, yeah. the others can lift it. Otherwise it would, you know, it would crush him. He'd have um, no shins left. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> um, they're powerful enough uh, to let him walk up sheer concrete walls mm. and kind of scuttle around very, very quickly like that. Um, he's he's capable of um, deflecting bullets with them. Um, he can spin them around very, very quickly. The pincers at the end of, of each tentacle can tear through um, flesh and metal, and he's beaten Daredevil. Uh, you know, Daredevil's not easy to beat. He's beaten Daredevil... Almost a death. He's got the better of Captain America um, with the tentacles. In the 90s, um, when Eric Larson was in charge of Spider-Man, he had a, a storyline called The Return and then The Revenge of the Sinister Six. Mm. And Otto created a new set of tentacles from adamantium, which is the <laughs> same metal as Wolverine's unbreakable claws. Amazing. The adamantium tentacles and harness that he wore, um, he beat Iron Man. He tore through Iron Man's armor. No. And it was a defeat so bad, Tony began to doubt his own abilities as a hero, and he needed a drink. He was, he was considering breaking his sobriety after being spanked by Dr. Octopus so badly. It was also able to restrain and pommel the Hulk into <laughs> unconsciousness. No. So adamantium, uh, adamantium tentacles. Otto in the nineties is, a, and he was wearing a plush white suit with a black shirt at the time and a red rose. And he looked badass in the in the uh, in the nineties with Eric Larson. And like Kingpin's going, dude, you're stealing my look. <laughs> he just he'll have this thing where like his arms are doing all this stuff and beating people up, and mm. he's but he himself is not paying attention. He's sniffing the rose 
in his in his jacket pocket, oh, that's and incredible. he's making a drink and smoking a cigar as his as his tentacles are just like murdering people and smashing up Iron Man's armor and stuff. Badass, badass. That's that's brilliant. That's brilliant. Hitching a ride from Yuri's police ch- helicopter, Spider-Man is taken to the raft, which is erupting lightning. Approaching the supervillain prison, a bolt of lightning hits the, cho- uh, the chopper, sending it out of control. Spider-Man is able to save Yuri, but as they land in the raft, Electro, the man behind the attack, makes an appearance and frees all the prisoners from their cells. Fighting his way through the prison, Spider-Man also encounters Rhino and Scorpion, using the chaos to escape. Catching up with Electro, Spider-Man gives chase around the raft's exterior before webbing him up. But the next second, Vulture swoops in and tackles Spider-Man into the air. Webbing Vulture's face, Spider-Man returns to the chase against Electro. Arriving on the roof, Spider-Man is surrounded by Electro, Vulture, Rhino and Scorpion, as well as Martin Lee. After an intense fight, Spider-Man is almost beaten. But as he crawls in pain to the edge of the roof... Otto Octavius enters wearing his tentacles. Before throwing Spider-Man into the water below, Otto tells him to stay out of their way. Otto orders the rest of the villains to go out and do what they have been ordered to do, while Spider-Man's unconscious body is recovered by police. Later that evening, Otto, holding a canister of Devil's Breath, releases it over Times Square, infecting everyone below. So releasing a virus into Times Square dark that was a dark turn in this story absolutely horrible and also this is a uh, thing because like that devil's breath was there was there was a reason for it or something like oh no there's a positive reason for it but then they use it for they use it for chemical for biological weapons but it's just like it never makes any sense to me because if you use a biological weapon like this it's going to affect everyone it's just mad. it's like in uh is it D- deep blue sea when they go we're going to cure <laughs> alzheimer's by turning sharks into genius psychopath serial killers <laughs> i don't think that's a good trade-off but that's just me um i was playing an underwater game yesterday and i kept remembering deep blue sea and that bit where samuel jackson gets killed very quickly what a movie oh what yeah what a movie great fun so the devil's breath, uh, when you get into the game, it's nasty as hell. Uh, is this something that was invented for the game or does it actually exist in the comics? Because that's quite a name. It's from the comics. It's again from mm. the big time, no, brand new brand new day, um, the, the Dan Slot, and there'll be another writer involved in that. It's not a virus. It's a poison. It's, a, it's like a poison gas. Mm. Um, I mean, that's but- a bit better. <laughs> <laughs> it is DNA specific. Oh, uh, it does that thing. So it? it can be its program can be formulated to attack the DNA of a certain family. Mm. When you have someone's blood, you can release the poison gas into a room and kill only that the people with that DNA strand. So um Mr. Negative acquires it. And as part of his plan to cripple the Magia, the Marvel Mafia, <laughs> he uh, he gets the the blood of of one of them, and he attacks at like a big family gathering, mm. and he um, he releases it, and he kills like every like a, a whole like batch of these family people. It's it's really really bad, um, and then and what it does is it. Um, a dry, I think it, it's 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 relatively bl- like it's it's not terribly. Although it kills people, being that it's a comic book and they were trying to get a lot of readers, it's not overly gross. I think it dries you out into a husk, 
Which is sound, which is not nice. It sounds horrible, but at least it's not like bleeding from the eyes or something really, really bad or whatever. That sounds like the worst this. hangover where you just need water. Yeah, um, and the, the his plan is to then go after more of 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 this this family to really wipe this family out completely, and it includes murdering children. Um, oh, and I think all the men in the family are dead, and now he's going to go after the women and children. Um, Spider-Man saves the day But Mr. Negative holds One of the children hostage With a gun to the head Mm. And forces Spider-Man To use a syringe To extract a sample Of Spider-Man's own blood And give it to Mr. (sighs) Negative And then the threat is I have the last Of the devil's breath You come at me again I will kill Everyone in your family. I don't need to know who you are. You just give me your blood. I'll add it to the devil's breath. And if you come for me again or any of my people, I will release it in the city and everyone you're related to will die. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. That being said, what Mr. Negative doesn't know is that Peter Parker doesn't have any blood relatives in the city. He doesn't oh, have any blood relatives. Queens. Queens. He lives in Queens. Does, doesn't no, it doesn't matter. He has no blood relatives. Aunt May is married to his blood relative. Right. Okay, that makes sense. His parents yeah. are dead. His uncle is dead. Aunt May is only Aunt May through marriage. Through marriage, yeah. Um, Mr. Negative doesn't know that, and it's a really bold claim. Um, and I don't think any of the clones are around at that time. So, yeah, Mary Jane's not related to him. He's got no blood relatives. There we go. I've just imagined him like going... going Oh no! Yeah, please it's, don't. It's, please a, don't it's, a, do it's that. a chilling threat, but then Spider-Man's like, "Yeah, he doesn't know this, but I'm kind of okay." A, a chilling but empty threat. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the next day, Aunt May is working at Feast, currently dealing with the victims of the bio attack. Coughing into the mask she is wearing for protection, she notices blood inside, but continues her work regardless. In the last 24 hours, escaped prisoners have overrun the city. A quarantine has been put in place due to the Devil's Breath outbreak. Sable mercenaries are rounding up people and hunting down Spider-Man. And the supervillain group known as the Sinister Six are at large. The Sinister Six comprises of Otto Octavius, a.k.a. Dr. Puss. Sorry, Dr. Octopus. <laughs> Dr. Puss. <laughs> sorry, I'm not, I'm not with it today and I don't have filters. Anyway, Otto Octavius, a.k.a. Dr. Octopus slash Doc Ock. Martin Lee, a.k.a. Mr. Negative. Uh, Maxwell Dillon, a.k.a. Electro, or as I like to call him, Maxwell Dillon, supervillain. <laughs> Adrian Toomes, a.k.a. Vulture. Alexei Saitovich, a.k.a. Rhino. And last of all, Mac Gargan, a.k.a. Scorpion. Bloody love that name. Mac Gargan. <laughs> yeah, Mac Gargan. Anyway. Not only this, but Spider-Man has been branded by Mayor Osborne as the one behind the prison break and the bio-attack. New York is a living hell. So, this is very apocalyptic for a first game. I thought this would happen in a sequel. I'm putting all the characters together. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah and, and the whole, like, uh, virus outbreak, army happening, oh, and prisoners running wild. It's, it's, it's mad. I think the thing is with, with with these comic book things is that I, I don't like. There's so much to draw from. If you if you think how many games are they possibly going to make before it changes again? Maybe three. 
you could three three games you can just jam tons of cool stuff into three games and you you won't tread on your toes you know you can make the first one as big as you want really i think you yeah. you're probably going to be fine that's fair enough to be fair yeah so the the sinister 6 uh what can you tell tell us about them we've never covered them before there's been murmurings at sony about doing a film but mm. that's that's going to be great to see a supervillain group without a hero to fight them isn't Craven out this month? Oh God! I think he I is. Don't know. Everything's been delayed, and yeah, I'm not been paying attention. No one, no one can promote, can they? Yeah. Uh, well, the Sinister Six first appear in 1964 um, hmm. in the very first Spider-Man Annual uh, in American comics. You'll have a monthly comic book, and then at the end of the year, you'll have or not? No, not the end of the year. The summer usually they hmm. do an annual, and the annual is not always connected to the ongoing story. It was back in 1964. Um, and it's normally more pages, so it's a longer story. Mm. The idea of getting a bunch of the superheroes and villains to team up is kind of a classic um, idea in, in, in superhero comics, a bit of a trope these days. Um, and it can be traced back to, I think, four sick comics. Um, I know the original Captain Marvel... Uh, had it with the monster society of, of villains, and I believe that another force character called Bullet Man had had uh, Bullet Man's might be the first. There might be the first collection of existing villains coming together. Mm. That's always cooler than a team like a team of villains, and they appear as the first time you see them is they're all together. Having all the individual villains get together raises the stakes it's very cool mm. um i always liked it in 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 um marvel because there were the masters of evil which were the avengers ones where mm. all these different villains from these different characters um personal comics came together to fight the avengers that was cool um so yeah originally it's dr octopus he has been beaten twice by spider-man he's furious <laughs> he uh mentally commands his tentacles to break him out of prison and off he goes, um, and he contacts Electro, Craven the Hunter. So the original lineup is Doctor Octopus, Electro, Craven the Hunter, mm. uh, Mysterio, the Sandman, and the Vulture. Ooh, okay. Mister Negative um, had not been introduced at that point. Neither had Rhino, I believe. Um, and so we get Craven the Hunter, who was a, a a big villain at the time, Mysterio, big villain at the time, and. They go about to fight, and because <laughs> so, um, yeah, because they need none of them. They all refuse to relinquish their um, claim that they want to be the one to kill Spider Man. They basically draw lots and go right. He'll fight us in a tournament system. <laughs> he'll fight you first, <laughs> and you next, and if he's still alive, then you and and everyone gets their chance to kill Spider Man. So I got the one idea a from a violent video game. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's one at a time instead of all together. Yeah, it's Mortal Kombat, isn't it? Yeah, or any ninja movie. Oh, um, like there's always that thing of like a martial arts movie where hmm. they all they don't attack all at once; they go one after the other. I'll we'll line up and attack. We'll attack Bruce Lee one at a time, not at we the love, same time. We love queuing in our culture. We're all about queuing. <laughs> So that's the original lineup, and then it's then they get beaten, and I don't know if they I don't know if they they come back. I don't think they come back until nineteen ninety. 
Um, there are some other iterations along the, around the years. There's some other slight reorderings of them and renamings of them. But the 1990, we get a story called The Return of the Sinister Six. And Dr. Octopus recruits Electro, Sandman, Mysterio, and the Vulture. Um, but Craven the Hunter has died quite recently. So they recruit another Spider-Man villain to be the sixth member, Hobgoblin. Um, uh-huh. The demonic Hobgoblin, who is possessed by a demon at the time. We can't get into that. Hmm. Um, and he's going to take over the world, only Dr. Octopus was not going to take over the world. It was a trick as part of a much larger plan in which Dr. Octopus gets all the power and all the money. Um, his plan is to release a chemical into the atmosphere that will cause pain in anyone taking cocaine. <laughs> and then he'll sell the cure to the rich, the powerful, and the yeah. drug lords and the drug runners. Yeah. Um and the so basically he it's the he is he is not in the he he sells it as let's all do this together and at the last yeah. minute it's like no you fools I'm using you and that quickly leads to the follow up story the revenge of the sinister six mm. where the five betrayed villains team up to try and get Otto uh, it's a fun story um and so there have been other groups over the time that have like taken the name. Um, and someone else is like try- other people have tried to arrange just six villains together, Spidey villains. Or there's been a Sinister Seven. There's been the Sinister Syndicate. Um, but the- Otto regards all of these as imitators, and he <laughs> he essentially views the Sinister Six as his intellectual property, his invention, which is an interesting dynamic. I think one of my favourite supervillain team ups has to be the uh, Batman movie <laughs> the sixth and adam west batman movie oh it's wonderful team. yeah yeah it's just it's just they do it in such a lovely way D- dc comics did a lot there was the um i think they were called the superman revenge society in the fifth in the 1950s there's <laughs> that's some... a mouthful yeah that is such a mouthful well but but that's one of the originals was called the monster society of evil uh in in Fawcett comics back when you were writing not something that's not very sophisticated but there was definitely a group that that, that went after batman there was a group that went after superman in, in in the 50s and stuff so it's yeah dc did it did it a lot yeah. there's the in the injustice society um which are the justice league's enemies and their or the injustice league and yeah, something like that and it's yeah. all their individual nemesises come together oh nice Spider-Man heads to Times Square, ground zero of the attack. Scanning some residue on a sign, Spidey is able to track the Devil's Breath dispersal path. The trail leads him to a hidden staging ground inside a building used by Otto. It also appears that Otto and Martin Lee have previously been in contact. From listening to his audio log, Spider-Man hears Otto descending further and further into madness, determined to take down Osborne through any means necessary. Spidey discovers a case of the anti-serum Icarus, but it's revealed to actually be an elaborate ruse. The case explodes and weakens Spider-Man for an attack by the Vulture. Battling Vulture and Electro, Spidey notices that they they each have an earpiece and are receiving instructions from Otto. After handily beating the two villains, he tells Doc Ock that the two of his subordinates are down. But Doc Ock won't stop until Norman gets what he deserves. The next target is Scorpion, who is going to poison the city's water supply. Facing Scorpion in Central Park, Spider-Man is injected with a venom. Losing his grip on reality, Spider-Man swings through a nightmarish vision of New York City. 
Setting down on a rooftop, Spider-Man works at analyzing the neurotoxin to find a cure. Finally getting the antidote, Spider-Man returns to reality in Otto's lab and missing his suit. From the plans in the lab, Spider-Man finds out that Otto has been planning this attack for some time. So the uh, this hallucination bit reminded me of the Scarecrow levels from Arkham Asylum. Where I, I thought that was exactly what they were going for here. You have these nightmarish vision that you need to get, you need to escape from. All right. They, they got mad because, uh, first of all, it looks like everything's normal. But then you see Jim Gordon die. And you're like, no, what, what, what the hell? And then, it, then you want, and then slowly it becomes obvious that this is all part of uh, the fear right. toxin. It gets, <clears throat> it's really good that bit. So, it was a Spider-Man annual that fight, that Spider-Man fought the Sinister Six. What happened? Did they do anything spectacular for this? It, well, it's the stages that. So, it's the stages that are kind of fun. It's go to yeah. this guy first, and that guy. Spider-Man's got. Uh, so Stan Lee pushes this button. On th- I can remember three occasions where he's done this. Spider-Man has a crisis of confidence and loses his powers, mm. um, which we saw in Spider-Man Two. Yeah, um, down to the bit where he he loses his his balance and falls off a building. Um, the Sinister Six realized that the Daily Bugle's secretary Betty Brant has had numerous ru- public run-ins with Spider-Man and thinks that Spider-Man must like her. So they kidnap Betty Brandt. And uh, then they tell J. Jonah Jameson, go and tell Spider-Man we've got Betty Brandt hostage. Um, uh, the villains have already agreed. They can't share. So it's going to be one at a time, gauntlet wrestling gauntlet rules. You face each member of the Sinister Six in order. And he goes there with no powers. Uh, to try and save Betty Brandt because he's got no chance, mm. um, and he, he, so he he fights Electro at a power plant, regains his confidence, gets his powers back. Um, it's it's not very clear what was going on there. Beats Electro, and then Craven is like, "Come and fight me in Central Park. <laughs> I have brought lions and tigers and pumas." <laughs> Craven's really over the top and fun in the early days. And um, the uh, Sandman traps him in an, in an airless chamber. Oof. And is like, I am sand. I don't need to breathe. Someone <laughs> has to break out of that. Mysterio has built um, robotic duplicates of the X-Men. Um, oh. And he has to fight them. Um, Doctor Octopus lures him into a, f- a massive fishbowl of some description. I can't quite remember. <laughs> but yes, he, he just beats them all. And at the end... When he, <laughs> he he he, la- he he kind of taunts them for not being able to work together and he's like you fools if you would work together i'd be dead <laughs> but you <laughs> couldn't put your ego to one size to get what you wanted and you had to do it one at a time and off they all go to prison amazing according to mj devil's breath is off the oscorp books the only other place information could be is norman's personal penthouse Spider-Man agrees to stay nearby to help MJ out as she sneaks in. After inciting a mob in the building's lobby that distracts security, MJ sneaks into the penthouse. Investigating the home, she finds various documents, including information on Harry's whereabouts. It appears that Harry wasn't travelling Europe, but was sent away for treatment. uh, Harry had inherited his mother's uh, Osh-Turin syndrome, which she eventually uh, passed away from. 
and began to experience complications. Unwilling to put his friends through the hardship he felt during his mother's illness, Harry kept his condition a secret, pretending to be busy or hungover from parting when his sickness got in the way. Finding a hospital bed in Harry's room, MJ also finds his journal. The last entry mentions the nickname for the treatment his father is working on for him. Devil's Breath. Why this, is it called that? Why? It's a cure for a deadly disease. <laughs> that is mad that they decide. Well, we're like, oh no, the, the thing that sounded evil did Angel's Breath. Call it Angel's Breath if it's going to help someone. That that would... God, they, they really they really weren't. That was done on a Friday, wasn't it? That was done last <laughs> thing on a Friday. I like the twist with Harry having a uh, horrible illness. And it, I think this worked well. I know they did it in Amazing Spider-Man 2. But this one did it so much better because he's kind of like absent, but you don't know why he's really absent. You think, oh, okay, he's just on holiday. No, he's very ill. He's very ill. So uh, does anything like this happen to Harry in the original stories? A, a, li- a little bit. So Harry Osborne dies in the mid-90s. Mm. Um, he suffers uh, a couple of psychotic breaks, develops his father's hatred for Spider-Man, his father's dead at the time. Uh, begins taking the goblin serum. Strengthens his body, weakens his mind. He ends up taking an experimental new golem serum, goblin serum, golem serum, golem serum. Um, and that ultimately kills him after a big fight with Spider Man. Hmm. And then a decade later, after Peter Parker makes a deal with the devil to rewrite his own personal timeline and reality. Harry's death is undone. The character returns to Manhattan, and all we know is he's been on a prolonged trip to Europe, Mm. um, which rang bells in this. um, He's been laying low and letting the world forget he exists. We kind of eventually find out down the line that what happened is uh, his death was faked, which is why everyone remembers him being dead. Um, Norman Osborn smuggled him out of the country and uh, uh, kept him essentially prisoner as he was subjected to a series of like private psychiatric units and rehab programs across Europe. Mm. Um, and that explains why we haven't seen him in many, many years. Of course, it hasn't been 10 years in the comics. It's been a couple of years or whatever it's been. But um, yeah, that's how they bring Harry back into comics after... 10 years and plus they say i've been to europe <laughs> what is like um agent colson in agents of shield oh i've been to tahiti tahiti, tahiti that was it <sighs> when you get to what that's about jeez i'm looking forward to it but i i i've just start. i've nearly finished rewatching uh, daredevil season one and i'm gonna work my oh, way because yeah. there's, there's there's lots of stuff with the marv with the netflix marvel shows i haven't watched certain seasons and oh. i think it's i think it's worth going through them all over again. it really is the daredevil series is great like the third Man, series i think it, is the best it's not, not, to go, not to go on a tangent but the first i mean i'm looking forward to the third season never saw it but the first one i'm like wow this was way better than i remember it it was so good and the second one with punisher is really good as well yeah. it's oh, just great wait, punisher comes in anyway we're, we're not here to talk about that next mj discovers a secret lab hidden behind a wall Various experience, uh, experiments litter the lab, as well as something that appears to be an attempt at reverse engineering Spider-Man's abilities. MJ also discovers that Devil's Breath wasn't meant to be a weapon, but a cure. Using the computer terminal in the lab, MJ is able to find the Oscorp biotech facility where the cure must be. 
Further digging reveals that Martin Lee was a patient of Norman Osborne. When he was a child, Lee was injected with an early form of the Devil's Breath, causing him to gain unstable powers, killing his own parents in the process. Shocked by this, MJ accidentally knocks over a spider case before heading to the balcony. Contacting Spidey, MJ attracts the attention of Silver and her guards who advance on her. Confident that Spider-Man will be here very soon to help her, MJ takes a massive risk and jumps off the balcony. As she plummets, Spidey swings in to save her just as she planned. Spider-Man can't believe it when MJ tells her everything she found at Norman's lab. So is this uh, Martin Lee's origin story in the comics? Was he was it an experiment or is there something else going on with uh, the negative man alter ego? Well, we, this first origin story we learn is that he is a Chinese immigrant from Fujian province um, who tried to travel to America to be with his wife. Mm. Um, he came across on the Golden Mountain, which turned out to be a slave ship operated by the Snakehead Gang as a way to sell Fujian captives as uh, overseas slaves in Kenya. Um, during a storm, the ship's crew evacuated. They left the captives, the enslaved people, alone, um, and they just ran for the shore. Um, Martin Lee's the only survivor, and he spent the following years building a large fortune and dedicating himself to helping those less fortunate. The problem is that that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> but Martin Lee doesn't seem to know that's not true. Mr. Negative knows. Mr. Negative seems to know everything. Um, <laughs> Mr. Negative was was one of the crew members of the Golden Mountain. He was one of the members of the Snakehead Gang. Um, he was an awful person. Um, when the ship nearly crashed into New York shores... He stole the identity of one of the deceased Fujian enslaved people, the real Martin Ooh. Lee, that was heading to America. Um, and this gang member was eventually captured by the Magia Don Silvermane, who we remember from Obscure Marvel. Remember Silvermane, the very old Mafia Don? Yeah, I remember. I remember Don Silvermane, yeah. And he was experimented on with a synthetic drug created by a Magia chemist called Simon Marshall. It's a drug that could be more potent than heroin. This is important because Simon Marshall is the guy behind the drug that creates Cloak and Dagger, the two teen superheroes, Cloak oh, and Dagger. Okay. So the fake Martin Lee escapes with the help of other experimental inmates I, that would go on to become Cloak and Dagger. But he developed... Powers and two different personalities. The kind-hearted Martin Lee that he believes he is, even though he isn't, and the true person he was before, the villainous Mr. Negative. So this same experiment that created Cloak, so Cloak and Dagger are two teen superheroes. They both have, like, one has light-based powers, the other has dark-based, darkness-based powers. Mm. And those powers seem to affect their personalities. Cloak, who has darkness powers has this grim, morose, angry, aggressive personality. Dagger, who has light-based powers, is much more hopeful and, and positive. Martin Lee seems to have both sets of powers and both sets of personalities in one body, which have sort of split his mind. Ah, that would make sense, yeah. Wow. That evening, Spider-Man updates Yuri on the location of the Oscorp Biolab. Apparently, a helicopter has crashed nearby, leading Spider-Man to quicken his pace. 
Martin Lee, in his negative form, breaks into the lab with Norman Osborn as a hostage. Taking out guards silently outside, Spider-Man works his way in, but Silver demands him to step down, claiming her men are able to handle the situation. After beating Sable's forces, Spider-Man comes face to face with Silver herself. He explains to her the situation and that they need to work together. Silver is convinced and lets Spider-Man in as long as they can secure Norman. As demon troops start opening fire on them from the outside, Silver goes out to hold them off. I knew she'd come round eventually. <laughs> She's, she, those kind of characters where it's like, ah, like, I'm just trying to do my job, but I don't like you. They always come round. They always come round. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Silver Sable... I mean, she has to be a character from the comics because she just looks, she has that look. She's got a signature thing. It's kind of like, you know, kind of Emma Frostish, and she's got two guns and she. Alliterative name. Yeah. Um, Oh, yeah, literally. (laughs) A 1980s character. She's a mercenary and a Nazi hunter. Um, She's from a a, a country called uh, Simcaria, which is next door to Doctor Doom's Latveria. Um,. And uh, they have an interesting relationship. Um, it, it, the, the relationship is helped by the fact that Doctor Doom has has always despised Nazis mm. um, because Doctor Doom is from Romany uh, birth and Romany ancestry, and the Romanies were oh, okay. um, persecuted by the Nazis, and mm. Simcaria um, is, was equally persecuted by the Nazis. Anyway, Sable's father was a Nazi hunter. Um, he was like the best in all of Europe. He worked alongside James Howlett. Of course he Hello. did. Ev- everyone's dad met Wolverine. That's the rule <laughs> of Marvel Comics after the 90s. Um, and then her mom was murdered. Um, there was a bombing at the, the, their home or whatever. They have a fortune, a lot of money. There was a bombing. Mom was murdered. Um, and she kind of wants to dedicate herself to capturing the people and, and um, eventually encourages her father to like put all his resources into training his daughter to be the very best like mercenary ever um mm. and they have a, their, their team of mercenaries is called the wild pack um and she becomes their leader um she puts the fortune to a company called silver sable international and off she goes hunting down uh, criminals and that job of hunting down international criminals has frequently brought her into conflict with america's superpowered community on either side because Sometimes vigilantes are wanted, but she doesn't care. She hunts them down, you know, and sometimes she's chasing criminals, so she's working with them. Like, she was chasing an international jewel thief called the Black Fox, and when Mm. she first kind of came across Spider-Man a few times, um, and she was hired to uh, defeat Jack O'Lantern, one of Spider-Man's villains, who is also a, a terrorist, and she comes across the Sinister Syndicate a few times, and forms an alliance with Sandman when he's trying to redeem himself and things like that. So she's joined forces with Spider-Man a few times and also fought against him. Um, And her team, the Wild Pack, have actually hired a number of Spider-Man's super-powered villains um, as mercenaries over the years, including Sandman, um, the Rocket Racer, the Prowler, and the Puma. Um, So yeah, she's she's a Spider-Man... Ancillary character. What's ancillary? It's like a not adjacent. Adja- there we go. Addendum. Addendum. Because then people start going secondary, tertiary, and then they go on from there. And I'm like, just say they're a side character. Just say side character. I get annoyed. I often don't know why I pick certain words. They just they immediately feel like that's the correct word. 
you just, just described is. me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I say that word. It just felt like the right word at the time. Yeah, that's everybody. But your I thing don't. was, I don't know why you didn't just say, I don't know either, man. I just said the thing. Okay, my brain told good. me to say it. Good old brain. Take it with my brain. It's not to do with me. <laughs> I, well, you're the... Never mind. If I have to take up my brain, I have to speak to you. Uh, following the, the path of destruction within the building, Spider-Man comes face to face with Lee, who has mentally manipulated him again. In a subconscious realm, Spider-Man argues against Lee's, against uh, Martin's claim that it was his fault that his parents died, not Norman's. However, before this fight, it is revealed that Martin coerced Dr. Michaels to give him the antidote. Norman begs for forgiveness for the incident, but Martin goes to execute him. Before his sword swings down, Spider-Man intervenes and tries to talk Lee down. But Lee wants justice against Osborn. The two fight in both reality and the subconscious realm. As Spider-Man eventually wears Martin down, he returns back to his normal form and his men collapse into unconsciousness. The next moment, Otto tears through the lab, slapping Martin to one side, declaring him useless. Otto turns on Spider-Man, with the latter dodging attacks to get the antidote. Beating Spider-Man, Otto triumphantly drops his unconscious body and, pick it and picks up the antidote. Noticing Norman Osborn, Otto takes him hostage and drags him out of the lab. Silver and her men enter a second later, talking to a very battered Spider-Man who refuses a hospital. Instead, he wants to go to feast. There's a lot of boss action in this game. Some great boss fights. This was very good. <laughs> boss action. So, so Mr. Negative, he can corrupt people, but there's a whole lot of other stuff going on. Uh, what are his powers? Um, it, it's, it's kind of more easily explained if you know Cloak and Dagger, but you don't really, so don't. I'll just progress. Yeah. Um, so... In, so he's very, very strong. In his negative, in, when he's Mr. Negative, he once punched Spider-Man through two buildings with a single <laughs> blow. Very, very strong. That's a man of steel, Malarkey. Yeah. He, he yeah. can dodge bullets. He can cut them bullets in half with his sword. He's that quick. Um, he can charge up knives and swords with this dark force energy. Um I don't quite know what it does, but he can do it. <laughs> yeah, they never explain the energy thing with the swords in the game. No. Like, oh, they're, they're enchanted or something. Um, and he can corrupt people. Mm. He touches them and kind of bring them... I don't know if it's necessarily... Uh, he turns all their positive thoughts into negative thoughts and generally means they'll work for him because he's a negative person. Mr. Negative, la ba la ba you know. What's that? You know, Mr. Bombastic. I know Mr. Bombastic. It was just a, I thought it was a quite, quite a leap. No, to, I, no, I had it yeah. in my head. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I'd say it. <laughs> Sorry. Um, and then as his Mr. Lee personality, hmm. he can heal people. Um, oh. The homeless people that come and stay in his um, in it feast and stay at his shelter rapidly recover from any illness or injury they've suffered and, 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 and they leave. Um, indeed, the inner demons can heal from any wound, but I don't quite know. I don't know, quite know. Uh, and and he 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 cured. Um, Eddie Brock had cancer, and then Mister Lee cured it. Um, mm-hmm. So there's that. Now it, with Cloak and Dagger, Cloak has this has this dark force energy um, that he is a conduit to, and he can teleport th- people through it, and mm-hmm. he can. Um, cause the room to go very dark. He can command dark force energy, and Dagger can heal people with her light. So he, it would seem that he has both those sets of um, comp- competing powers housed in one body. 
Yeah, it's like he, 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 I'm trying to think. He's cut. He's he's not like a Swiss Army knife, but it's just like ah, like a monkey wrench or something. And and Mr. Lee is not aware that he is Mr. Negative. Uh, it's like Tyler Durden. Uh, anyway, Doctors Michaels and Silver burst into Feast, dragging Spider-Man with them. Miles offers his help. MJ watches in sadness uh, at, at Spider-Man lying in a hospital bed. Time passes and Spider-Man makes a recovery but needs rest. However, this doesn't deter the webslinger as he painfully gets out of bed. Meanwhile, Aunt May's condition has gotten worse and she is close to death. Knowing that Otto has the one thing that can help her, Spider-Man tries to head after Otto, but his pain is holding him back. MJ reminds Spidey that Peter helped build Doc Ock's arms and he should be able to find a weakness. As MJ confidently watches Spider-Man rise to his feet and exit, one of the spiders from Norman's private lab crawls down her arm and onto a ledge before scurrying away unseen. Elsewhere in Feast, Miles is suddenly bitten. Looking at his hand, he sees a small dead spider. I was really happy, again, setting up the uh, Miles in the game like this, like we're, we're getting the his him being bitten by a spider because I wasn't sure they'd do that just yet. But I was really mm. happy to see that moment. So we've we've gone through this we're going through this we've gone through into the into the uh, spider-verse but how does miles actually get his powers in the comics is it just a spider bites him that's it similar um <clears throat> sorry uh, uh, dr marcus um so miles morales is from the ultimate spider-man universe the ultimate marvel universe sorry he lives in a world where there's already a spider-man hmm. peter parker in this world, a scientist called Dr. Marcus uses a blood sample from Peter Parker, or from Spider-Man, that's been captured, uh, to recreate the formula that created Spider-Man. Hmm. The Prowler, a notorious thief, who is actually Aaron Davis, Miles' uncle, <laughs> is hired to steal the formula. And in the process of trying to steal it, one of the spiders created by Dr. Marcus that has the Parker DNA in crawls into the Prowler's duffel bag, climbs out days later when he's around Miles, and bites Miles. And mm. Miles then develops the same abilities to those that Peter Parker has. But Miles feels no burden of responsibility to do anything with those powers. He hides his powers, he lives a normal life, he's unhappy about having the abilities... He does not want to risk his life or engage in any superheroics, so he does not. But then he witnesses Spider-Man's brutal death at the hands of the Green Goblin on live television and feels immense guilt that he could have perhaps helped and saved Peter's life. And, mm. and as a result, he decides to take up the mantle of um, Spider-Man in, in, in that universe. Oh, nice. Heading straight to Otto's lab, Peter works hard and fast at creating a new Spider-Man suit using Otto's technology. Now he has a chance at beating his former mentor. The next second, Spider-Man is alerted to breaking news. Doc Ock is on the roof of Oscorp Tower with Norman in tow. Otto demands that Norman admit all the wrong he has done, but Osborn refuses to. Intimidating Norman further by pretending to drop him, Otto finally loses patience and drops him only for Spider-Man to save Norman at the last minute. Wasting no time, Spider-Man heads to the roof and demands the anti-serum from Otto. 
The two engage in a vicious battle, with Otto eventually damaging Spider-Man's mask, revealing his face. But Otto reveals that sorry, Otto reveals that he knew all along, telling Spider-Man he should have listened. Well, that's a twist I didn't see coming. The uh, the reveal. No, I mean, obviously, like, he bashed, the, the bashes the face uh, plate open on the Right, screen. right. But he's like, oh, he knew all along. It's like, what? Ugh, okay. This does happen twice in this game, which I think is stupid, but there you go. Yeah. It, the the well, same thing happens twice. Well, what happens... Oh, I've known all along. Okay. Well, what, what, what yeah. happened... Well, well it, at the start, he, he assumes that he's Spider-Man's armorer after a mistake, and then it's like, oh, and it's like... It, 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 when he sees Peter trying to repair the suit, but it feels like uh, maybe he was just lying about that and just kept calm, and then he goes, "Ah, yeah, yeah, I was lying." Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, 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 has this ever happened in the comics? Has Doc Ock ever uh, discovered Spider-Man's secret identity? Uh, yes, uh, very quickly, but then he doesn't believe it. <laughs> so that, I think it's the second time they fight, which is in uh, Amazing Spider-Man twelve in this back in the sixties. Um, Spider Peter Parker has the flu. This, honestly, I admit, like Dan Slott does a good job of recapturing it. It was so fun when stories were like this. What was happening this week? Well, Peter Parker's got the flu and a terrible fever, <laughs> and it's like he, all he wants to do is stay in bed and get better. But Doctor Octopus is going on a mad, is having a mad one, so we've got to go and stop him. He's having a mad one. So because Peter's got the terrible fever and the flu. And he's dizzy. He's very quickly and easily beaten. Um, knocked unconscious. Dr. Octopus holds him up and then unmasks him in front of J. Jonah Jameson and the police. No! But nobody believes that Peter Parker is really Spider-Man. They think he's pretending and impersonating <laughs> him. Peter especially Parker could be that awesome. <laughs> especially because he was so uncoordinated and weak because of his flu. Yeah. So it becomes Octopus says, this isn't Spider-Man at all. It's just that weakling Peter Parker pretending <laughs> to be Spider-Man. That's very there, fortunate. There was also some some like question in that issue as if the flu turned his powers off, like getting a virus counteracted mm. his powers, which I thought was quite interesting. Yeah. Um and J. Jenner Jameson's yelling at Parker as well and goes, You fool! I told you to get pictures of Spider Man, not to impersonate him, you fool. <laughs> um, <laughs> in the mid nineties when all of Marvel and especially the Spider titles are just struggling and really quite bad. Um there's like a world weary Doctor Otto Octavius. He's kind of reconsidering his place in the world and Spider-Man through means we can't get into has contracted a very bad chemical based virus and is dying. Ooh. Um and Otto refuses to let him die because he wants to kill him himself. So he kidnaps Spider-Man and takes him to his lab, unmasks him and then takes his blood, analyzes the virus, creates a cure, saves his life, um, and, uh, and Peter Parker has to actually like dare to trust that the thing he's going to inject himself will will help him, and is cured. And Otto remembers this and goes to prison, having this knowledge, and there's nothing Peter can do about it. Um, but quite soon after this, Otto is murdered by an insane clone of Spider-Man called Kane. <laughs> He's then very quickly resurrected by the Hand Ninjas. And when he's brought back to life, he has no memory of Spidey's identity. So. How convenient for the story. 
There was in Smallville, like the first season of Smallville, anytime the bad guy of the, of the week learns that saw um, Clark Kent use superpowers, you go, he's about to die yeah. or lose his memory. <laughs> How convenient. The next moment, the damaged section of the tower thereon comes free and plummets to the street below. Clinging onto the side of the building, Spider-Man tries to talk Otto out of this madness, but he won't listen. Overcoming Spider-Man, piercing him with uh, one, one of his claws, Otto gloats over him. But as Otto leans in, Spider-Man tears the neurotransmitter out of Otto's neck, sending him plummeting. Knowing Otto has the anti-serum, Spider-Man free falls after him, seeing the doctor crash through the side of the building. Picking up the anti-serum, Peter yells at Otto for letting him down as a mentor before telling the injured Otto that he'll be taken away into custody. Howling in anguish, Otto tells him that he'll be trapped in his useless body before begging for his help like a father to a son, but before trying to intimidate Parker about his secret. With his heart broken, Peter limps away, leaving Otto screaming after him. This was a very... A uh, good ending for Otto, I thought. It was like full of pathos and regret. Mm, yeah, Tra- l- very, very well done. So, in the comics, does Otto ever have a, a plan to escape his failing body? Because this sounds very familiar. Yeah, he doesn't have this like neurological condition. Mm. Um, what, no, wait. What is what is happening to Otto in this game? He's he's got he's, a, he's got a de- degenerative degenerative illness. De- yeah, in yeah, the yeah. comics, what happens is. He's a regular person that's been getting his ass kicked by Spider-Man and the Avengers for like 15 years. And he's, <laughs> <laughs> and he's old and he's out of he's out overweight and out of shape and his body <laughs> just starts to collapse. It's like me every morning when I get up and down the stairs with me my knees are going, yeah. my back's going. I'm just imagining him at the at the doctors. I also like as well. If you go up against the Hulk again, it could be it. So I yeah. think you're going to have to spend some time at home. He he has to start. He has to, he, he builds armor for himself. Mm. And again, I, I I sound like a broken record, but Dan Slott's run on Spider Man is great. We see uh, several adventures with 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 Doc Ock, and 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 every every uh, story. The armor that he's wearing gets bigger and bigger to protect himself more and more mm. until eventually what he's built is like an iron lung <laughs> oh, with just his head out poking out the top. And oh. it's mobile because it's got the tentacles to move it around, but the rest of it is like completely protecting him. And he gets worse from there to that he's like, he's just immobile. Um, and Spider Man, you know, he goes to the raft and he. Summons um, Spider Man, uh, or Spider Man goes to see him. It's kind of like a farewell because he is just dying. Mm. He's going to die in in the raft, and he hasn't got long left. And Spider Man goes to visit him, um, and that's when Otto Octavius uses an Octobot to swap minds with Spider Man. <laughs> so that's his plan to escape. He steals. Spider-Man's body was that what we handled that in a bonus episode, didn't yeah, we? The Superior Spider-Man. Yeah, that was such a weird twist at the start, of and that. it's wonderful, and it leads to a great story where Peter Parker is now trapped in the dying, broken body of his one of his worst enemies. No one believes it's him. Um, yeah. 
people spit on him because he tried to destroy the world and he can't <laughs> convince anyone that he's Peter that he's Spider-Man. So he actually has to go ahead and use evil villain tactics to escape from prison. <laughs> and he in fact has to summon the Sinister Six to help him. Wow. <laughs> to go on a mission to stop Spider-Man. He has to act like Dr. Octopus to get anything done. Wow. Um and then Otto's body dies with Peter Parker in it. Um, but before before he does, Spider Man finds out with a way to. Otto is like, I'm gonna, I'm rejuvenated. I've got this young, healthy, super powered body. This is awesome. But before he dies, Peter is able to like uh, project his memories into um, Doctor Octopus and Otto. It humanizes Otto, and he learns or starts to learn a lesson about power and responsibility mm. and about protecting people and about loving Peter's family. And we actually leave the Superior Spider Well, the start, the Superior Spider Man story kind of starts with Otto like, I'll be better than Peter Parker, but I'm going to protect his loved ones. I'm going to protect the city. I'm mm. going to stop the bad guys. I'm going to be Spider Man, but I'm going to do it my way and be a superior Spider-Man. And so that's his plan. And it kicks off years of storytelling. And like Will said, we've got a bonus episode all about that up on patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel. We have so much good stuff on there, guys, seriously. Arriving at Feast, Spider-Man hands Dr. Michaels the antidote, but the Doctor needs it to synthesize an antidote for the city, which could take hours, maybe a day. Looking at Aunt May close to death, Spider-Man asks about using it for a person now, but Dr. Michaels informs him that then they couldn't use it to save anyone else. Dr. Michaels gives Spider-Man some privacy while he watches over May. May comes to and tells Spider-Man, take off that mask so I can see my nephew. Shocked, Peter removes his mask, sorry, his mask, asking how she knew. Aunt May has known for a while but is so incredibly proud of Peter for all the good he's done. Peter fights the urge to use the serum on her, but realises that for the greater good, Aunt May must die. And with that, May Parker dies peacefully, with Peter crying at her side. Oh, God, I didn't expect Aunt May to die in this. I did not see that one coming, and it was yeah. very, really hit. Like I, I remember tearing up when it happened first time and then when i went through this again for this episode yeah i was like oh boy that was that was a big one that was a also kind of like the the trolley dilemma again for him isn't it do you save love one or loads of other people um yeah except it's one's greatly it's the spock dilemma we call this one oh the spock yeah that's it because it's one versus millions one versus millions yeah that's true it's true yeah wow just so is is Aunt May still alive in the Marvel comics? Has she been killed off? Because there's been a lot of talk in this episode about people being bumped off. She's alive for now. For now? Uh, she first died in 1995. Oh, um, hell. She suffered a stroke and went into a coma and was, um, yeah, end of life care. And that's, what, mm. that's at the very start of what became the Clone Saga. Like, being on her deathbed is what brings the long-lost clone of Peter Parker back to New York because he, he has to he has to be with her one last time if she's going to die. Mm. Um, and that kicks off this thing where Peter Parker realises his clone from the 1970s didn't die. Yeah. Um, and at one stage of her ill health, just like this, she reveals that she's always known Peter Parker is Spider-Man. 
for years, uh... but kept it a secret and then dies very, very much like this. But as was fashion at the time, she was discovered to not really be Aunt May, but to actually be a clone of Aunt Yay. May. Yay! Or, or, or not exactly a clone. It was an actress that was hired and then genetically altered with Aunt May's DNA to make... That sounds like a clone to me, but there you go. Yeah, that's... This that was a clone with extra steps. This was a plan by Norman Osborn to do... Nothing really, just to screw with Peter and make him a bit sad. <laughs> the, honestly, it's not part of a plan to do anything. It's just, you'd probably hate it if your aunt died. Are you going to kill his aunt? No, I'm going to make him think I killed his aunt. What are you What are you going to do with the aunt? Keep her prisoner somewhere for a bit. Bloody okay, cool. Um, I'm just going to go over here now. <laughs> and then when Peter stupidly reveals his secret identity to the world because he's in love with Tony Stark during the Civil War, uh, his personal life is targeted by criminals and villains and ne'er-do-wells. Um, firstly, the chameleon tries to use... Now, everyone knows Peter Parker is Spider-Man. The chameleon, one of the old... The original Spider-Man villain from issue one tries to use Aunt May to get revenge on Spider-Man. But Aunt May defeats the chameleon by feeding him freshly baked cookies that she's spiked with her own sleeping pills. And he Uh, passes out. I thought you were going to say wheat cakes. She roofies him (laughs) with with chocolate chip sleeping pill cookies. Um, But the kingpin is, despite his uh, ample size, not prone to being distracted by cookies. He uh, (laughs) hires an assassin to murder Peter Parker, but the sniper misses because Peter Parker's got spider sense and he moves and the bullet hits Aunt May instead. No. And as she is literally about to pass away, Nothing in all of science and medicine will save her. Spider-Man goes on, on it like his he goes on a tear throughout the Marvel universe. He gets he gets Hank Pym and he gets Reed Richards and he gets Doctor Strange and he's like, there's nothing that can be done. So he makes a literal deal with the devil. He summons Mephisto and makes a pact with Mephisto to alter reality. To bring Aunt May back to life and health. And all it costs him is his love and his marriage with Mary Jane. That's what what Mephisto wants, is to truly break him by taking that away. Um, And that's what happens. And uh, Aunt May is kind of back in the land of the the living. For more, what awful Mephisto will do, patreon.com slash Marvel versus Marvel, as he screws with all of Vegas. I am looking forward to that so much. I can't wait for that one. Yeah, you've not really dealt. You met, you met Mephisto um, a little bit in Infinity Gauntlet when he's the kind of court jester yep. and Ghost Rider. Is it Ghost Rider we handle? Uh, yeah, a little bit, but you haven't really bit. done. But that's like a just a, a Marvel, a, a movie version of him. You haven't yeah, really met yeah. the comic book version, so we're going to have a lot of fun with this one. I'm looking forward to that. <clears throat> In the following days, citizens of New York queue for the cure while the city slowly starts to rebuild. A funeral is held for May, buried next to her late husband, Ben. Miles and his mother attend to offer support to Peter. At the raft, Otto is led to a dank cell, trapped in the raft and his ailing body. Three months later, MJ meets up with Peter, giving her the good news about her promotion at the Bugle. 
With nowhere else to go, Peter is going to be crashing at Miles' place for the next few nights. MJ offers her place to uh, offers to st- uh, MJ offers uh, Peter to stay at hers, rekindling their relationship as the two kiss. Weeks later, Miles helps Peter move furniture into his new apartment. Miles shyly asks Peter for advice on something he can't tell his own mother about. Assuming this is a conversation about puberty, Peter tries to be understanding, but Miles cuts his off. Preferring to just demonstrate, Miles surprises Peter by jumping to the ceiling and hanging like Spider-Man. But the next moment, Peter surprises by joining him on the ceiling. New York now has two Spider-Men. Meanwhile, having resigned as mayor in disgrace, Osborne enters a secret laboratory where Harry is kept in status with a black web-like substance. As Osborne places his hand on the tank, the substance reacts and copies him. It was a great ending, this. Just just perfect, like nice tying up of things and like opening things up. Setting up the next kind of stories and things, yeah. yeah. I wonder how much time will have passed between this and the sequel. Be interesting. Well, more importantly, how, how much time is going to pass till they bring out the PC port? Jeez, that's going to be a few years till I get to play this game. Oh dear! Really annoyed at that. Really annoyed, but hey, you know you can't, can't help it. So, are there two Spider Men in the comic books? Like, do Miles and Peter live in the same reality? Is it a case of one reality? He's the Spider Man who's <clears throat> taken over, or what? Is there, is there any team ups going on with that? Well, there were just two separate realities. The Ultimate Marvel Universe had Miles Morales because their Peter Parker, their Spider Man, original Spider Man died. Mm. But then, during the events of the 2015 Secret Wars storyline. Both the Ultimate Marvel Universe and the Mainstream Marvel Universe were destroyed. At the conclusion of all of this, and thanks to a cheeseburger, the 616 Universe is restored. Mm. And it's restored with Miles, specifically just Miles and his family, restored to the to the to the universe including his mother who died in the in the in the regular in sorry in the ultimate marvel universe he gets his mom back um and they're living amongst the kind of inhabitants of so they the the history of the 616 universe is rewritten so that miles morales and his family have always been a part of the 616 universe Mm. for a for a a little time miles had brand new memories and had no memory of the ultimate universe his memories were that he was in sp- he got bit by a spider he was inspired by spider-man to become a hero during the secret invasion um but then he later gained all his original memories of the of the ultimate universe as well mm. um the original spider-man 100 approves of miles mentors him a bit they share the mantle and the name of spider-man you'll sometimes see characters refer to miles as the brooklyn spider-man to mm. differentiate himself from peter who is more manhattan based but yes yeah. in the 616 universe we have two spider-men well there we have it will you have ably guided us through our very first video game installment mvm gamer edition and the the very long and interesting story from the insomniac spider-man um, your favourite pieces of trivia you've learned today, Will? Well, that's quite. There, there's so much to take away from this because there's so much, so much going on. But like, what was it? One of the like Aunt May dying, or she's alive for now, but she has been dead. But uh, she was actually a clone, but not really a clone, just an actress with with her <laughs> DNA inside, which which sounds an awful lot like a clone, but isn't a clone. And then there's uh, <laughs> Peter Parker has the flu, 
And then, uh, but the same t- while he has the flu, Doctor Octopus unmasks him and goes, "Wait a minute." No, this don't add up. I don't believe this, and I will not pursue it further. I will not. Uh, I will not. I will not stalk Peter Parker just to be sure. Just to be sure. No. Um, uh, but what I really loved was uh, Aunt May roofying Electro, because that's just mad. And your final thoughts on, I guess, on the on the on the game. On the game. Well, it, it, possibly the best superhero game I've, I've ever played. As I said, it, for me, it narrowly beats Arkham City, which I consider a perfect game. Uh, great acting for a game. Parts of it are just so cinematic and done well. There were gen- like there were scenes where I felt like I was genuinely watching an MCU movie. It was that good. Like, and, and look, not to get too bogged down on a narrative perspective, as a game, it's so much fun. There were times after playing it where the idea of web swinging felt so natural that walking down the street, I was subconsciously wanting to just <laughs> web swing because it felt so natural in the game. And I, and I, I, I admitted this and other people said the same thing. It's like, oh, I just want to web swing. It's so good. It's also one of the only games that I've pretty much 100%ed on the first go. Like, it, all the stuff that you could do just teed in so well. It felt so much fun to actually explore. Uh, and sometimes, you know, sometimes I just aimlessly swing solving crimes and pointing out how uh, New York City, the, the Isle of Manhattan, where the game takes place, uh, isn't correct. It's actually a smaller version, but <laughs> we'll talk about that another time, maybe. Thank you for that, Will. Um, your reading list for this episode, um, I can't rec- this game borrows a lot from Dan Slott's time on, on, on Spider-Man. I can't recommend reading Dan Slott's Spider-Man enough. I'd probably start with Big Time. That's a good jumping on point. Um, uh, you could check out um, Superior Spider-Man for Otto swapping minds with... Um, with Spider-Man, um, you can also find comic book versions of this this character, this version of Spider-Man, the Gamerverse. Marvel has a Gamerverse series of comics. If you look for Gamerverse <laughs> um, Spider-Man, um, there's one called Velocity. I think, I think the first one's called Something City, right in the city, maybe. Um, and then if you check out Spider-Geddon, the sequel to to um, the Spider-Verse, this this reality Spider-Man plays a role in that. In our next episode, we return to the MCU with the very latest as we take a special look at Loki Season 2. And we'll be diving into the comic book characters and events that are inspiring this new series. Don't forget to find us on Patreon.com slash Marvel vs. Marvel for more bonus cool content. Marvel vs. Marvel was researched, written and performed by Rob Holden and Will Preston. The show is produced by Will Preston. And our theme song was composed and performed by Dan Walsh. Head to patreon.com slash Marvel vs. Marvel for awesome bonus content. Marvel vs. Marvel.